Jeremy White and Sneaky Joe DiBiase. What is your order to establish how good the wings are? I'm going to order 10 before I order any more. And the way to find out if they're good is to order 10 blood. Medium. Oh, the answer's hot. Sneaky Joe DiBiase. There's more skill involved in creating the sauce with the medium because you're combining more of the butter with the hot sauce. Used hot. I mean, there's going to throw hot sauce in there. Jeremy White. I think the, the words that were just put together. What? There's more skill involved in a medium? Yes. A medium is the 40-yard dash, and the hot is the shuttle or the three-cone. Not WGR. Real ones, no. Sports Radio 550. Hey, good morning. Happy Friday. Give me a minute, Joe. I'm just adding a series of... Uh, Toy cars, Pixar cars characters. I mean, everyone you can think of to the twins' third birthday gift registry list. So it's, I'm a little busy over here trying to mm. keep uh, focused. Yeah. It's n- I'm not shopping for toys for me. No. No. <laughs> no. There's not uh, the targeted ads with a new set of irons or anything that are popping up on the no, site? No, I really am I really am adding a ser- every character from the Cars universe to their their birthday list. Yeah, everyone. Just about. <laughs> or the ones I think they would like. Hmm. Yeah. I, I've heard, I'd heard long ago that uh, your kids growing up is a chance to relive your own childhood. And uh-huh. in terms of being an adult that can just buy toys, uh, yeah. Yeah. You can just buy toys. <laughs> That's it. You see something... You know, when you're eight, you don't even know if they're gonna like it. You'll oh, just I'm go sure for it. that I'm sure they will. They've yeah. got, we have Cars Universe uh, storylines playing out on our living room floor every day. They've I mean, you a, showed me a video yesterday of like a spatula is sufficing as a as a toy. Yeah, so, like yep. I feel like they can. They're they're using their imagination mo- well enough. They are doing that. Yeah, but uh, the Cars Universe is huge, huge. So. You know what? how many movies in are we on uh, on the cars? There's universe? only three. There's a series of uh, shorts. There's a there's a Cars on the Road series. There's Mater does a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movies Cars One and Cars Three are really it. Cars Two is <clears throat> trash. Um, really? Yeah, it's bad. really it's really bad. Out of place. What's what's bad? Isn't isn't it, isn't it like uh... it's very weird. Doesn't belong. I don't even it goes actually, from maybe... racing to super spies back to racing. Yeah, but it's ra- weird. super spies, super spies and guns and stuff. You're like. You know, it's just shooting, shooting each other. It's weird. You get the cars equivalent of James Bond trying yeah. to solve, like, this giant worldwide yeah. plot, whatever. Huh. And it's... then all of a sudden you get Lightning McQueen racing in F1, and then you go back to Tomater being a super spy, and it's just, it's weird. Thank you. It's very weird. Cars came out, the original Cars came out when I was, like, six. That was Sweet just... Spot. yeah. Oh, I watched that movie, like, every day for a whole year. Yep, that's kind of what our house is. <laughs> At least wanting to watch some of it every day. So anyway, yeah, I'm putting together uh, gift registry. What yeah. about what about the uh, race car bed? Is that still is that still popular among the kids? It is. Well, they, they already have a recently new bed system. Uh-huh. So the race car bed might be a little ways away, but by you know in like two years, yeah, there's probably like a Lightning McQueen bed in our future. Yeah. All right, let's go. That that was something I always wanted as a kid. So. Yes. Who didn't want a race Who car bed? Did, right, exactly. Everybody, did every kid on earth want a race car bed? Yeah, I did. You saw it on some sitcom. Some kid would have a race car bed, and you think, they have those? That's oh. probably why, right, because I saw it on TV once and yeah. realized it existed, and now I need it forever. <laughs> right, right. Happy Friday, everybody. Jeremy and Joe with you, and, uh, you know... By the way, I typed in race car bed, and the first like four uh, that showed up are all Lightning McQueen. Good, so perfect. They're they're tar- They're out there. That's how it goes. So what's going on? Anything? 
We've got uh, here's what's coming up today: Brian Koziel from well about the Waste Management Open, Kevin Price from the Waste Management Open at nine. Koziel checks in at six thirty. Dan Dunleavy at eight thirty. We'll chat a little Sabers with Dan. He texted. He was listening yesterday, and that's what made me think we should talk to Dan. He texted during the segment on hard boiled eggs. Wow. Yes, his team anti hard boiled eggs. Anti. I don't. I don't. All right, I'll I'll defend its honor in some way. Although I'm not like a big hard boiled egg guy in the first place. Although I did leave here yesterday and have a cob salad with hard boiled egg on it, which wow. was a delicious. Congratulations! Yes, big day for you. Yeah, it's got to be mixed in. I can't just eat it on its own. But if it's part of something bigger, like a like that cob salad, and it's a good good addition to the group. Very good, very good. Defend all the haters coming up later. NFL awards last night. I'm put up a Twitter poll here. What's weirder, Flacco winning comeback player of the year or Lamar getting 49 of 50 first place votes? That's weird. Flacco winning comeback player of the year. It's, it's, it's almost outrageous to me that he actually won the award. And I guess, is it even weirder that we knew this system now existed, but that it's possible for someone to win an award when one guy, the guy who has 21 first place votes comes in second and the guy who has 13 first place votes comes in first. Yeah. New system. Like it was, it's, it's very wide. The amount of first place votes that went to one guy versus the other. I, I think it's Flacco. I would just like to ask any of the voters that gave all but one of the Comeback Player of the Year award votes to Alex Smith four years ago, who had six touchdowns and eight interceptions in five games after he almost lost his leg. Tell me why he won Comeback Player of the Year, but you didn't vote for DeMar Hamlin. What year was that? That was 2018. No, 2019. Okay, the answer is the ranked choice voting. But there was nobody else that even really... Like, it was almost unanimous that year. But that's... that's Things were more likely to be unanimous because it was ranked. But this year, even if I just go to first place votes, Hamlin would have won this year, but he would have won with what? 60% of the vote? Right. Alex Smith had 99% of what would have only been the first place vote. Right. So there would have been 13 people that voted for Joe Flacco that probably all voted. If they only had one vote, they would have voted for Flacco last night. Yes. And all of those people voted for Alex Smith. Right. Because he got all but one measly vote. How many snaps did Alex Smith play? He played in six games. How many snaps did he play in six games? I can tell you how many. Pa- he attempted 100, 250 passes. Okay, so 250 snaps at least. And had a 28 quarter. Like, it was probably horrible. Yeah. He only won the award because of what he came back from. He right. was not good, and he didn't play the full season. He had six TDs, eight picks. I don't know. It's pretty. It seems pretty inconsistent to me. If we're making it there about what a story, look what he came back from. Look at the brace that was on Alex Smith's leg that year. I'm not even saying he didn't deserve it. He had that crazy brace with like needles poking into oh, it yeah. like months after. Like He won that award because of the magnitude of the injury that he came back from. Not a lick of what he did on the field. And this time, it well, is he was, about what you did on the he field. He was a starting quarterback. I mean, you could say the results were this. We're not talking about how Lamar graded out as a special teams player. He Flacco, you mean? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're not talking Demar is what I'm thinking. We're not yeah. talking about how Demar Hamlin graded out as a player. Right. The point is, he was on a roster. That's really all he had to do for a lot of people, understandably. 
to win comeback player of the year. I mean, DeMar didn't get a lot of snaps as a defensive player. No, he played he played special teams. He played special teams. He got a fake punt. Um, but wasn't that always pretty likely to be? Yes. Like, I, I guess that's what he was. Like, did, did he just never have any shot at it because he's not a great player? If it happened, if if this all happened to Micah Hyde, he's oh, he's he wins it then. Yes, because that's what Micah Hyde is. Like, that's what I mean though. Like, that player would have just returned to what they had been. Hamlin basically just returned to what he had been, which was a depth safety who plays special teams. Right. Like, what were we, what did you want him to do? You wanted him to be Troy Palomalu? Like, maybe it's the people that voted for Flacco didn't realize that Hamlin was that before because he got hurt on a play where he was a safety. Right, and he's in in a primetime game insurance because of an injury to Micah Hyde, who missed you know most of that year. Right, so maybe it's I don't know. It is tough to kind of figure out the ranked choice voting is. It's why he lost. It's why he lost. Yeah, it's it because Sam Monson pointed this out, and I thought it's exactly right. For anybody out there that says how how did this happen, the answer is that if you were gonna vote for Demar, you probably thought he deserved the award, but. The idea of voting for DeMar Hamlin second, that's mm-hmm. the weirdest thing of all. People that left him off the ballot think, all right, he didn't really play. I don't want to put him on there because he didn't really play. The players, as you pointed out and we heard earlier this week, yeah. voted for Tua. Yeah. Tua won the award because he was, you know, he came back from all those concussions and played at a very high level, led the league in passing. It's a pretty good case. Why doesn't Tua win it over Joe Flacco? Flacco came mm. back from being on the Jets. I mean, that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. That's a tough lot in life. He also came back to elevate the Browns. Yep. Those are two pretty good things. <laughs> you don't do that often. But Monson pointed out it, di- it didn't make any sense to vote DeMar second. You either thought he, he should be comeback player or you thought he shouldn't. And with that, Flacco's going to get more votes up and down the line as first and second and third, because if your criteria as one of the voters who thinks, I don't want to vote for DeMar, he didn't do enough on the field, well, then there you go. That, that's how it's going to play out. So how, how upset should we be? DeMar has had every single recognition before this one. At last year's ESPYs, he's, he, he won an ESPY last year before returning to the field. Yep. Not that ESPYs are different than NFL awards. How do they rank? Which one's higher, an ESPY or an NFL award? I think the AP big NFL awards probably higher than an ESPY. Higher than an ESPY, yeah. I, I think that's I think that's probably right. Yeah. When you go back and how many MVPs does a guy have? If you talk about their legacy or whatever, you want to have a conversation about a player, and you say how many MVPs does he have? They're, you're referencing the AP all your the M- AP MVP. When Alex Smith's bio comes up and it says comeback player of the year. Yep, that's right. He gets it because it's the AP one, not because of, you know, the players one or the PFWA one. Like those those are the ones that are recognized as like the standard. You're the you won comeback player of the year that year, even though there were other awards given out for the same thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's pretty I think it's pretty bad. They're both strange. I mean, I I don't really have a problem with DeMar not winning it. it should he have? Sure. We're talking about award shows here. And yep. And on some level, i got to be like, the, the, the fact that Lamar Jackson won 49 out of first, 50 yeah. first place votes, to me that is just revealing about groupthink, if I could use that term if it applies here. 
Yeah. 49 out of 50 voters. Only Aaron Schatz. We know who voted for Josh number one. Yeah, Aaron Schatz. That's it. Only Aaron Schatz thought someone other than Lamar Jackson was the MVP of the league. And this kind of gets to our conversation yesterday about the horse race nature of it. Everyone just kind of universally decided after the Ravens beat the Niners, yep. uh, okay, or after the Ravens beat the Dolphins, like, okay, well, Lamar is going to be the MVP. And that was just the end of the conversation. Dak, Josh finished in fifth. Mm-hmm. He finished in fifth with one first-place vote. I've got McCaffrey ahead of him, Dak Prescott ahead of him, Brock Purdy ahead of him. Yeah. Which means, and this is the funniest thing about it for me, if you ask 50 people what the MVP is, you get 12 different answers about how, well, it should be the the guy who had the biggest year, or it should be the guy who's the most important to his team, or it's the guy that I think if he were off the team and someone else were on the team, you know, you get interpretations of the MVP. And yet, with all these different interpretations and a, a little bit of a vague idea of what MVP actually is, I got 49 out of 50 to line up. That strikes me as odd. Which of these two is stranger? I, th- I think it's the 49 out of 50. I mean, I expected Lamar to win. If it weren't for Aaron Schatz, he gets a unanimous MVP. Right. The same stuff that goes for, who are the other unanimous MVPs? Did Mahomes win it when he threw 50 touchdowns? Man, I don't even know about... When I think unanimous MVP, I go to, like, Steph Curry becoming the first person to ever do it in the NBA when he had, like... 403 pointers? Yeah, like an insane season that was, like, historically great. Lamar won unanimous MVP in 2019. Okay. He was, they were 14 and 2. He led the league in touchdown passses. And he was, he burst onto the scene and was like, all right, that guy can win it. Brady won it in 2010. The unanimous unanimous. MVP? That's it. No one else has been unanimous. There would have been on, it would be, it would have been insane. Had one, had Aaron Schatz voted for Lamar Jackson, it would have been ridiculous. For another unanimous MVP. One of three? There were two others? There were two others going into last night. I, I saw that he had more. He had eight more first-place votes than, than Patrick Mahomes had last year, who had, like, 41, like, he had 16 more touchdowns or something along those lines than, than Lamar Jackson did. And he had eight fewer first-place votes. It's absolutely wild. There's just no critical thinking, it feels like to me, with it. It's just we're all... Nobody wants to step out of line. Well, I'll give you an example kind of, of this. Kind of idea. I, I tend to agree. And I don't want to be the person that's just you know sitting here saying, no one else thinks critically and we do. But this is the definition of 49 out of 50 people just said, like, oh, that guy. This reminds me of a college football or a college basketball poll, right? The AP poll. The number one team loses to the number two team. And if it's on a bad call or something, you're like, oh, everybody knows it's wrong. What will mm-hmm. everyone do? They'll move the number one team down to number two and the number two team to number one. Yeah. No one says, you know what? I think that's still the best team. It's, it's College football polling is like this. Well, uh, okay, now the team that we all, every one of us, every person here thought Alabama was the best team in the country, mm-hmm. and they lost a game. So that immediately means every one of us was wrong, and now somebody else is the best team in the country. When you're number one and you lose, you should keep some of your votes. Mm-hmm. People think you're the best. Mm-hmm. And here's Lamar, 49 out of 50. A- everybody? Yeah. This horse race, who should it be, who should it be the whole time? And you are you even have more options. It made more sense to be 49 out of 50 when 
you only had one vote. I get one vote. Okay, yeah. I choose. Now the I, year the year that it was only one vote and like Rodgers had this was like what three years ago he had fifty one touchdowns and five picks and Hub and Arkish only did, had the one vote and Hub Arkish didn't vote for him because he thought he was a bad teammate right and Hub Arkish caught a lot of flack for that oh, he yeah. he didn't That's vote right. for Rodgers for MVP and he caught a lot of flack because back then if you didn't vote for him number one you didn't vote for him period right in this new rating system you have every opportunity to put Lamar second. Right. And still give him flowers and say, hey, I think this guy's great. I thought Josh was MVP. Or I thought Purdy was MVP and Lamar was second best. But 49 out of 50 went (laughs) number one when given the chance to vote anywhere one through five. To me, that is wild that that happened. And I am not upset or pounding the table. The Bills guys should have won. I I, I legitimately cannot believe it went 49 of 50 Mm -hmm. in a ranked choice system. It is nuts to me. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. And then, of course, you know, you're you're probably right. As I bury the lead of the guy who died, that didn't win comeback player I of mean, the year. The guy that set, that won it last night, Joe Flacco, told everybody what like a week ago. I, maybe is, is that a thing too? It was after all the voting, right? When Flacco said this, and maybe they didn't even see it. He he basically said, paraphrasing, "What are you talking about?" I'm just old. Yeah. I came off the couch. That guy died on the field. His heart stopped. I mean, how long did you want him to be in the hospital? <laughs> or there was just no way he was ever going to win it, I guess. it Was Was it also so long ago that that factored into it as well? Like, the whole Flacco story is in the last month and a half. All of it. Right. And, and how, when the did Hamlin Lam- story was a year ago. And when did Lamar win the MVP? In the last month and a half of the season? Right. So... Recency bias probably playing into this as well. Another inconsistency, by the way, that one of our listeners pointed to, which is, do we care about turnovers for one award, but we don't for the other? Because we've asked this question. We haven't heard this as the definitive answer, but why didn't Josh Allen win MVP? Don't we pretty much think it's because he led the league in interceptions and there is an overvaluation on turnovers in the NFL, had he had eight fewer interceptions, would he have won MVP? Don't, don't, don't even need to answer that question. Yeah. He led the league in turnovers. He didn't win MVP. Joe Flacco won Comeback Player of the Year. Sure, big yards, big touchdowns, cool story. He had eight picks in five games. That's a 27 interception <laughs> pace over an entire season. So for, that would be another question I'd want to ask the 13 voters that voted for Joe Flacco as comeback player of the year, but at least 12 of them, because I don't know what Aaron Schatz did on that, at least 12 of those 13 didn't vote for Josh Allen to win MVP. So do you care about turnovers or do you not care about turnovers? Because this guy didn't win MVP with 45 touchdowns because he turns the ball over all the time. This guy won comeback player of the year but we're just going to forget the fact that he had almost a 30 interception pace when he was in there. It's it's there's a lot of weird. How about Antonio Gates? Thank you for tweeting this in. Not getting in the Hall of Fame. I thought he was one of the easy ones. He's not in. I was so con- I was surrounded by the Hamlin and uh, MVP stuff. I didn't realize Joe, he didn't make it. Devin Hester got in ahead of Antonio Gates. Okay. Hmm. Do we have a problem with Devin Hester getting in? 
I'm not saying he should have been over. Well, on a Gates, night, but on a night where special teams were told we don't care about special teams, right? Here's Devin Hester getting in as a kicker right. turner. <laughs> Eight oh three oh five fifty. We get some calls in on this, and of course we're going to talk about digs, which yes, you want to talk about things that are happening that are strange. What is wrong with all of you? I think people just want him to stop talking. Right? No, I don't know. All I see is people want him to say certain things that he does say. We'll get to that. I, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need time. To settle my, mm-hmm. my, my tea kettle temperature on everyone losing their mind on digs. 49 out of 50 first place votes for Lamar. 49 out of 50 people re- responding on the internet to an an interview that I don't think any of them watched it. Dan in Pittsburgh. Hey, Dan. Hey, how's it going? Um, I called in about the awards, but since you, you, since you bring up digs, um, I don't know why everyone was so mad about that interview. I mean... It basically kind of seemed like he was like almost like breaking down, like crying, thinking about leaving Buffalo. So I don't know why everyone was so up in arms about that. I mean, he said a million times he wants to retire a bill, and it just is what it is. But um, about the awards, what are we doing here? Like, it just seems so like 49 out of 50 votes. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm selfish because I had a plus $3,000 future on Allen after the Broncos game. But he Allen had as many passing touchdowns as Lamar had total touchdowns, and he broke the NFL rushing record for quarterbacks. I just don't understand how 49 out of 50 people can think Lamar wins that MVP, even – not even sprinkling in like Christian McCaffrey or even like Tyreek Hill or other people like that. I was just surprised so many people voted for Lamar to actually win. And I just don't, I I think it just became such a thing with Lamar to where if they gave him the award, just everyone was going to cry about it to the point where they didn't, but he totally deserved it. But that's all I really had to say. I'll hang up and just kind of let you guys talk. Love your show. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. And uh, does it matter? Do you want to know who the voters are? We know who all of the voters are. Do you know who is a new voter this year? Who? Tom Brady. What? Tom Brady's a voter. He had a vote? Yes. He works for Fox Sports. He has a vote. Oh, my. I was just about to say it's the Associated Press. He works for Fox Sports. Mm Mm-hmm. He has a vote. Did he... Did he decide to work at Fox just so we can get a vote and all this stuff? Who do he vote for? Maybe he'll tell us. We don't get. Do, is there like a breakdown uh, anywhere where we can see like who voted for who? I know you get that in. Uh, is it hockey where you get that? One of the sports you see who everybody votes for. Maybe it's the NBA actually where that happens. Um, Here are your voters. Mm-hmm. The first name is going to give you a red flag because this guy has takes. Emmanuel Acho. Sick. Greg Allman, Howard Balzer, Jared Bell, Dave Burkett, Tom Brady, Teddy Bruschi. Okay. Vic Carucci. Vic's got a vote. Hey, Vic. Mark Craig, Tom Curran, Charles Davis, Nate Davis, Howard Denneroff, Tony Dungy, mm-hmm. Jory Epstein, Boomer Esaias, and Doug Farrar. Mike Florio. <laughs> Ruben Frank, uh-huh. Rich Gannon, Jonathan Jones, Lindsey Jones, Mike Jones, Clark Judge, Ira Kaufman, Mina Kimes, Peter King, Pat Kerwin, Jeff Legwald, Jim Miller, Sam Monson, 
Bruce Murray, Gary Myers, Laura Oakman, Dan Orlovsky, Nick Pavlados, Dan Pompey, Laura Princiati, Lorenzo Reyes, Charles Robinson, Diana Rossini, Mike Sando, Aaron Schatz, Adam Schein, Tom Silverstein, Chris Sims, Armando Salguero, Mike Tirico, Ben Volan, Chirian Williams. Those are your voters. Okay. Brewski? Yeah. Brewski? Good for Brewski. It's fine. I don't have a problem. Brady. But but there's a million ESPN like TV guys. Should like, it, should why, it, is he, why is he get one and not uh, Orlovsky? Orlovsky's or, on that list. He has oh, one. sorry. Orlovsky's yeah, yeah. on that list? Okay. So is Mina. Yeah. Is, should anyone Good. be surprised the year Brady starts getting a vote, everything starts going wrong? <laughs> is anybody surprised? <laughs> Brady. Uh-huh. 803-0550. We'll get a break in. Bruce, stick with us. We'll get to your call. Brian Koziel on uh, the Waste Management Open and the Sabres preview heading to the weekend. We'll get his thoughts on all this. Vote in our Twitter poll. What's stranger, DeMar not winning or 49 out of 50 per- first place votes for Lamar Jackson? You can think well, Lamar deserved the award. 49 out of 50. I'm blown away. It's Jeremy and Joe. We'll get to the dig stuff as well on WGR. We've talked about it and anything that we do on the sideline, whether it's good or bad, if it's communicating the right way, whatever it is, you know, yes. put on the microscope and judged every certain way and every angle. But again, we're just trying to be the best teammates that we could be for each other. And I owe a lot of my success in my career to him. And I think he would he would feel the same way about me. But I love that guy like a brother. Always will. You know, we're going to do some big things next year. Josh Allen sitting down with the Pat McAfee show. Allen did not go to the award show. He skipped out and he went to uh, Barstool Sports. Did some trivia games with them. I saw highlights of that. He was also good at trivia. Yeah. What can't he do? He also had uh, on the Pat McAfee show I saw. Did you see he had like a, a subway safe? Like one of those bank vault things that you would carry money around in, and nobody knew what the code was except for Josh Allen, and it was filled with foot long chocolate chip cookies. Wow, no doubt in my mind it was seventeen seventeen <laughs> or seventeen fourteen. It was not. It was a password oh. that I'm guessing he set because it was. Uh, let's just say it was about as inappropriate as a password as you could get. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to guess, and we, we yes, could, we all know. We just won't. <laughs> 803-0550, Jeremy and Joe with you. Uh, we're going to call Brian Koziel in a moment. Waste Management Open is uh, this weekend. Got delayed with weather. They had some I, crazy I, stuff. I need the I need them to get going here because I'm going to need that nice little pot before the uh, before the Super Bowl. I'm going to need my cash outs before the game starts on uh, Sunday. And I don't are they going to get it in? I hope Brian's going to tell me yes because I I got a lot of outstanding stuff yeah. for the Waste Management Open. I need Scheffler to win. Bruce in Derby. Good morning, Bruce. Morning, gentlemen. How you doing today? Good, Bruce. Uh, I just got a comment about the MVP and a question for you, then I'll hang up. First, um, I really remember when this MVP thing meant something back in the day. Now it's like, it just seems watered down. They start talking about it at the first week of preseason. And it just it's skewed. It's like just a popularity contest, it seems to me. Like doesn't really much matter. And then my question is how many of these MVPs that actually want, you know, the guys that want it, how many of them do you think or know actually made it into the Hall of Fame at the end of their careers? I'd just be curious to find that out. Yeah, most of them. Most of them. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and Lamar, uh, Lamar is a multiple-time MVP. We've got instant trivia for that later on. He joins a pretty elusive, or, uh, exclusive group or whatever, a small group of – 
guys to win multiple MVPs. But your MVPs, all right, how many make the Hall of Fame? You find one. I'll list the guys that won't make the Hall of Fame, okay? Mm-hmm. Cam Newton. Probably won't. I don't think he okay. will. I'm going to keep going back. Sean Alexander. Mm, didn't he have like a 30-touchdown year? But no, I yeah, don't think so. Okay. I'm going to keep going back. Rich Gannon. No. Steve McNair. Mm, no. Terrell Davis is in. The reason I'm this far, I'm still going to find the next non-Hall of Famer. Boomer Esiason. I'm in 88, 1988. Uh, after that, I'm still going back. Sean Alexander did have an 1,800-yard, 27-touchdown season. Mark Mosley in 1982. The reason I had to keep going back is because here, here are your MVP winners. Uh, Lamar, Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Matt Ryan. I bet he does make it. Matt Ryan? Yeah. Peyton Manning, Adrian Peterson, uh... LaDainian Tomlinson, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Terrell Davis, Brett Favre, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, Thurman Thomas, Joe Montana. Like the MVP is a Hall of Fame award. Yeah. Not many guys win it and don't go to the Hall of Fame. And Lamar's won it twice. I think Lamar is – if you could if you could get Hall of Fame odds on Lamar right now, he'd have, I think he'd have to be a favorite to make it. Yeah. I think Josh is probably a favorite to make it too, but it would help him to get a couple of awards or something. So thanks for the phone call, Bruce. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Twitter poll is which is stranger? Damar Hamlin not winning comeback player of the year, or Lamar Jackson getting forty nine out of fifty first place votes in a year where everyone said it was really hard to pin down who the MVP was this year until the end. Brian Cozyel joins us, host of T to Green, host of our Sabres broadcast as well, pre and post game. He'll be up this weekend with a kids day game tomorrow. Brian, which of those is stranger to you? The Hamlin one or the Lamar one? Oof. I think probably in the end I'm going to go with the fact that Allen only got one first-place vote. Just the numbers to me um, really indicate like that it should have been very close. I, I thought I, I wasn't expecting him to win. It seemed like that you know, mostly we were getting that message that Lamar was going to win, but I thought with the numbers, what Allen put up and how he led in touchdowns and yards – and the fact that the Bills finished so strong, I thought that he could definitely at least garner a little attention. The fact that he only, what, he finished fifth overall in the voting, I thought that too was surprising, that there were guys that were voted much higher ahead of him, even just regardless of whether or not they voted, uh, voted Lamar first. So I think I will say that. Uh, the, Hamlin, the Hamlin thing is so interesting because um, I think everybody just assumed, like, oh, that this – even though Flacco had such an incredible story on the field, you know, what Hamlin had to overcome off the field, like that there was no way they weren't going to give it to him. Um, and, and that one, I guess, football-wise, I can argue for. Um, but I guess life-wise, it seems still kind of shocking to me that, that, I mean, I feel like I remember reading articles saying that they should rename the award after DeMar Hamlin and the fact that he didn't even win it the year he was up for it. Um, I guess I'm talking myself into maybe the other side here as I'm going here. But yeah. the, the Allen numbers to me are just the fact that he finished fifth. That's probably maybe my most surprising thing. Brian Kozil on the Western Hotline. We'll get back to this football stuff and the, the awards and what Diggs had to say with Kay Adams yesterday. Um, but, Brian, the Waste Management Open is underway. And this is uh, – I, I was trying to think of all the golf events. You've got the majors. Then you've got the players. And then this course is really – carved itself out this spot right like it's uh 
it's an elevated event, and you've got the stadium around the 16th hole, and I think the Waste Management Open has done a great job of marketing by just kind of embracing what they are. I was I was thinking about it like Bill's Mafia. Maybe at one point the rowdiness, the sponsors and people might have thought, well, this is getting out of hand, and then they decided, you know what? Screw it. Might as well just go all the way in because the Waste Management Open has a pretty good thing going these days. For sure. I mean, it's known as the rowdiest tournament in golf, the biggest party in golf, and now the fact that they've kind of embraced it and taken that on, uh, including the players, uh, I think that they do have kind of like their own brand. And you're right, it's not with the majors, um, but it's almost maybe uh, a, a really nice contrast to what we had last week with Pebble Beach. You know, you're, you're celebrating the history and the tradition and the beautiful views and, and all that goes with Pebble Beach and the pristine scene that can be golf. And then next week, it's the biggest party. And that scene at the 16th hole that they essentially build a stadium around, for those that haven't seen it, it's a par three, and literally now it's totally enclosed. And their logo for this tournament has taken shape of that hole that their stadium has built around it. And they encourage the crowd to go crazy and to even to kind of get after the golfers if they had a fourth shot. Uh, it's definitely the most, uh, in terms of the crowd, it's the most unique scene that you'll see in all of professional golf. And players, it's kind of funny, like how much they embrace it and how much they have to play through it. It's a it's a regular tournament for a lot of it. Um, you know, whatever. It can be rowdy in other parts. But coming down the back stretch, whether it's, you know, Friday, Sunday, whatever, you kind of have to, as a player, I think, step into a different mindset when you get to that hole. Yeah, guys put on different hats. They sometimes change their shirt just to kind of embrace that whole scene and get the crowd on their side. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's something that you know that you prepare for as you go toward the end of your round there, with that being the 60th hole. And you're right. I mean, the other holes, I mean, there's definitely activity. And, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people that will attend this event over the four days. And it is the highly attended, the most highly attended event uh, of the season uh, on the PGA Tour. But definitely, I think, you know, if, if you're in contention, there is something that you have to prepare yourself for because it is a different – I guess seen in a different mindset what you normally would be, where it's dead silence normally when you're hitting. Um, this one, I think golfers, even if they don't like it, I think they've probably decided that, look, it's not worth fighting it in terms of maybe what had happened a few years ago when there was like, well, how far can the crowd go to be noisy? You know, what is the, the tour and the, and the um, kind of volunteers going to allow? Now they just, they basically are letting everything go. I mean, it is very, if you watch any of the coverage today, and you watch 16, it is very, very loud as the guy is, as the player is preparing to hit. So I think this is something that players now kind of go in with a different mindset and say, look, this is just part of the event. And I think most of the guys have embraced it and kind of turned it into something fun. And you get great reactions when guys do hit uh, good shots. So that is kind of fun. You're, you're, you're going into kind of a, you know, a football sort of type venue into kind of almost like an enclosed, I guess the closest thing you get to almost like a dome setting for golf uh, with how they have that set up. Brian Koziel on the Western Hotline. Brian, a weekend for the Sabres coming up as well with a game tomorrow, Kids Day, against the Blues. You know, they've, they've played better this last month or so. You know, the record is what it is. They're not gaining too much ground. Do you think there's, I don't want to say a moral victory in here, because they actually are getting more victories, and they've, they've been able to put together a reasonable run, but it's not getting them anywhere. How, how, does, how does the season end if they end playing well? You know, I wonder how motivated they'll be 
to make changes, how, how drastic those might be, or if they think that what they've done in the last month is a truer sign to maybe who they are? Well, hopefully they'll learn their lesson from last year. I mean, they finished the last month very well and decided to just run almost the exact same lineup back. You know, they added a couple of defensemen who, in general, overall, have not really made a huge impact. You know, Eric Johnson's penalty-killing efforts, I think, have improved the penalty kill. I don't expect Eric Johnson to be on this team past the trade deadline, so that maybe is a moot point to even discuss. And Connor Clifton has been better, but he had a lot of four starts overall that also has been a part of why this team is where they are in the standings. Um, but to answer your question, if they just kind of, you know, maybe stick on this, I know they're what, like on a nine, six and one pace kind of thing uh, over the last month or so, if they kind of play at that and get themselves a little closer, but ultimately don't make it. I hope that there was still enough of a sample size that Kevin Adams and Don Granado, if they are the ones making the decisions in the off season, really decide, Hey, we have to, tinker with this a little bit more than just signing some sort of token, you know, last pair defenseman and some sort of, uh, you know, flip a couple of players up front. Uh, I know last year, you know, bringing back Oposo, bringing back Gergensen, bringing back Olofsson, uh, all those, all those three players, um, you know, the, the Olofsson one was had to be more of a trade, but those were all decisions that Kevin Adams, I think could have gone the other way with. And maybe the lineup looks a little bit different right now. They clearly have had the injury bug. You know, it's something that happens to all teams, but it seems like this team, in terms of their top group, their top six, they've really had that uh, been a thorn in their side. But guess what? That's part of an NHL season, and, you know, sometimes you end up on the wrong end of it, and, you know, they're still not going to be healthy here basically for the rest of the season with no Samuelson and basically Quinn almost out for the remainder. Brian Koziel on the Western Hotline. Brian, what's going on T to Green this weekend? You guys have a Sabres game at one o'clock so how's the schedule move around yeah so we our first show is going to be coming up on the 24th we've been doing weekly podcasts but our first show coming back for the season uh will be at on february 24th um we kind of go to some of our indoor places to start the season we'll be at the golf dojo um to start our season on transit road in williamsville on february 24th so that's when it officially comes back on wgr uh on saturday mornings from seven to eight very good brian Cozio. thanks brian Okay, guys, thanks a lot. Have a good day. You too. Tomorrow, a 1 o'clock face-off, Kids Day, another Kids Day game. And the waste management picks back up today. Did you see, I'm just finding this out now, there was a guy who missed his tea time yesterday? No, I did not. Lucas Glover said he misread his text messages. Wow. He had an 826 local tea time, he just didn't show up. Mm. Because he thought his tea time was later in the day. Have you ever missed a tea time because you just didn't know the time? Misread uh, text messages? Yeah, maybe. And has that ever happened on the tour before? That can't ha- that can't be normal or uh frequent that someone got disqualified because by the way, I have bets on Lucas Glover for this week. I don't know what happens there. He, it, it it goes as a withdrawal. It goes and, as a withdrawal. Yeah, that'll be voided for you. All right, good. Cuz he just overslept? I don't yeah. know. 8030550188552550 at 7 o'clock Josh can, do you, can you see can we get the technology to send out one of those uh emergency broadcast system where we alert everyone's phone that we're going to be talking about something that they need to be listening to at 7 o'clock do we have the we can't do that only like for okay only actual emergencies 
Joe, we, we need to stage an intervention with people on, on Stefan Diggs. There needs to be an intervention. That'll be at seven. I think I might. I think I might need it. You need it. Okay. I think I'll, I'll, I might need it. Too. I'll be here to give you an intervention. All right. I'm here for everyone. <laughs> I'm not going to start it now. The, it's, the, it's on the surface, though. The, you can. <laughs> the, the true drama queens. Let's talk about who the true drama queens are. We'll get to that at seven o'clock. We got instant trivia, stat of the day. You know, lots of fun to get to. Lots of fun. Uh, Dan Dunleavy at eight thirty. Kevin Price. I've got a let's get stupid. Those okay. Are, those are always you know good. Yes. Good Friday. Good. good Friday content. Jeremy and Joe. Josh Schmidt producing. Give us a call eight zero three zero five fifty on Demar Hamlin not winning comeback player of the year or on Lamar Jackson getting forty nine of fifty first place votes. Nearly only the third unanimous MVP in a system where it's less likely to be unanimous than ever before. Crazy. It's it's just absolutely wild to me. 803-0550 to join us on WGR. Super Bowl Sunday coming up this week. NFL Awards show. Was following Del Reed, Bills fan of the year. A lot of his pictures. He got a picture with Roger Goodell. He said he's wearing a shirt. One of his 26 shirts about, mm-hmm. you know, like punching out the Dolphins. He saw Tyreek Hill and he lifted up his Bills jersey to reveal mm-hmm. the shirt about knocking out Miami. Yeah. Dell had himself a day yesterday. It was fun to follow along on uh, on Twitter. Too bad he didn't win, but uh, didn't win NFL fan of the year. He won Bills fan of the year and is in Vegas and is going to the Super Bowl. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. How's everybody doing today? You're You're what? I'm still debating whether I'm going to golf this weekend, but the rain is making it look uh, a little bit tough. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just trying to get through the day not thinking about Kansas City, having to watch another Chiefs game on Sunday. Just like forgetting that the Super Bowl is even happening on Sunday. Radio Row. Let me, let me that that's the real event on Sunday. Who's who? Everybody's there, including Dell and you had Allen doing the rounds yesterday with a giant subway, uh, like, bank lock vault thing with c- chocolate chip cookies everywhere. And also weird uh, fashion choices from Josh, and he went, like, real dad mode. Did you see what he was wearing yesterday in Radio Row? Yeah. Like, flannel, jeans, boots. Okay. Like it. There was a quote from Aaron Rodgers where he said he can do everything except run at full speed right now. On February 9th. Uh-huh. Really? Oh, yeah, but he was going to play Week 17 if they were in it. Yeah. I can't believe. Right. Did he ever say, uh, what was what was your your bet that he would say I could have been healthy by Week 17 or Week 18? My bet I was. I, is, I was cleared to play. Had we been in it, I would have played. My bet was the moment they're eliminated, he was going to say, I was good to go next week. Right. And he didn't exactly say that. And he still kind of isn't saying that? No, he, yeah, of course. Because he knows now, everybody knows how ridiculous the idea of him actually playing would have been. Yeah. Meanwhile, didn't Kirk Cousins tear his Achilles? He did. He danced on stage last night. Yeah. He said, also, he ripped his Achilles so quick and clean that he didn't know, it didn't hurt. Like, he didn't know that it happened because it, it happened like there was just no partial whatever, something still hanging on. I don't know. But he was moving. 
Which is good for him, I guess, because he's a free agent, and he's the number one free agent quarterback, so he's going to want teams to think he's healthy. Yep. 803-0550. Okay, the definitive intervention regarding a certain wide receiver and people around here that are losing their minds. Definitive intervention. We'll take calls on it if you want as well. 803-0550. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good morning, fellas. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, guys. Big fan of the show. It's Jeremy White and Joe DiBiase. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Hello there. Hey, you Hey guys, love the show. Big fans over probably 20 years. Hey guys, how you doing today? Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Call or text WGR at 803-0550 or post on X at WGR 550 and get connected to Jeremy and Joe now. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Super Bowl Friday. You can give us a call 803-0550. Beautiful day yesterday. The weather yesterday, Joe, mm-hmm. I mean, awesome. you you just breathe it in. You felt every bit of it. And today, expecting a high of 55, maybe overcast, but whatever. A, a nice little break here. 55. 55. Wow. Going to rain into the weekend, and temperatures will go down next week, but in 55 today is pretty good. I know a lot of people went out and tried to get some golf in. Might have been a little muddy. I what? drove past a couple of golf courses where there were a bunch of people out. Yeah. We were just thrilled to get the kids outside, you know. Nice. Get the kids outside, play, dog outside. Being outside was wonderful. Anyway, good morning. We're talking about a couple things. The NFL awards from last night. I want to break down everything Stefan Diggs said with Kay Adams, although it's not even all of it because it's two minutes of a longer interview. Yeah. That you have to subscribe to her YouTube channel to then go watch the full, th- whatever. Or or wait until, I guess, the the whole thing premieres at like 9 a.m. Okay. this morning. So there'll be more Diggs news at 9 a.m. that everyone can freak out about. Before we get to that, quick funny note. You saw Travis Kelsey on our screen here. Mm. And Kelsey was asked why he thinks people are so captivated by Taylor Swift and him. Mm-hmm. And his answer was, I think the values that we stand for, we like to shine a light on others, and we both have a love for life, end quote. Ben Volan tweeting that out. And I thought to myself, hmm. what percentage of that attention is Taylor Swift and what percentage is Travis Kelsey? Is it 90-10? Is it different, is if, it, is it different yeah. if she's dating Mark Andrews? Mm. And is it different if he's dating Olivia Rodrigo instead? Yes. That's what I think, too. Yes. It's, I don't want to, like, she's a bigger star than, I don't want to say than the NFL, but she, uh, she might, might, be, be. Might, might be close. She might be. <laughs> she's the only single entity that could even claim that it's close, I think. If it's any NFL player, it might be similar. I don't know. I don't know if it's the backup right guard, if it matters. I mean, Kelsey's a, Kelsey matters. I don't know, man. I know, but she's she's the most, she's the most famous person on planet Earth yeah. right now. Just, well, if she's bringing in all these people to watch the games, which if it's really happening, I mean, you're seeing the viewership go up. You're seeing all these reports of like how much money she's generated for the league. You know, how many people are watching the Chiefs or the NFL just because she's putting, like, her stamp of approval on it just by being there, I guess. But then Kelsey is, like... A star. 
He's a star. He's a Hall of he Famer. Is a pers- he's a personality, yep. too, right? Yep. 9010 might be pretty good. 9010 Taylor, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, I think I, can, I think I can get there for that. I'd go 75-25 at most. Yeah. I don't think, though, that people are captivated because of... Their values? I guess. I don't eh, know. Who knows? Anyway, thought it was interesting. You can vote in our Twitter poll, which is, which of last night's awards is stranger to you? One... Joe Flacco winning comeback player of the year over DeMar Hamlin. Or Lamar Jackson getting 49 out of 50 first place votes for the MVP. You know, we all kind of knew he was going to win the MVP. I did not anticipate it being 49 out of 50 first place votes. To Mm -hmm. me, that is astounding. Only Aaron Schatz kept it from being unanimous. And it's important to note that with the new system of ranking one through five, it becomes less likely that there's an MVP. Because you can have more diversity of thought and opinion and who should be the MVP. There's only been two unanimous MVPs before. One of them was Lamar. He almost won MVP in this voting system. It is absolutely insane to me. I'm not saying he wasn't the MVP. I can't believe Josh got one vote and Lamar got 49. Mm -hmm. The guy that finished in second and third, because in fourth, Allen finished in fifth, by the way. Dak right. doesn't get one first place vote. McCaffrey doesn't get one. Purdy doesn't get one. It shots, by the way, did vote for Dak over Lamar in his. He in did. His, he, he went. Had, he went. Allen won. Dak two. He had Lamar third. Yeah. It, it's just I, I can't even believe it. That whether it's groupthink or if it's voting in the moment because of the final month of the season and the horse race that the MVP race turned into. That Lamar got forty nine one votes and one third. You could think he was worthy of the MVP and vote him second. But 49 yeah. out of 50 won first. Crazy. So anyway, 803-0550. If you have a thought on on that, we got a Twitter poll up about it, which is which is stranger. Lam- is it, which way is it going, by the way, right now? Lamar Jackson getting 49 out of 50. Is winning the poll? Is 64%. Like, that is stranger than Joe Flacco winning comeback player of the year over a guy that died. Yes, like his heart stopped on the field. And a year ago, the league got taken over by like sympathy for him and support for him. And then a year ago, they just they're like, nah, that, that that wasn't that's not what this award is, I guess. Even though, by the way, letter of the law and comeback player of the year does not mention anything about on field performance. It only mentions perseverance. That's it. Yeah. Wild. All right, eight oh three oh five fifty. Strap in. <laughs> I I think I I need this intervention. Okay, good. Everybody needs an intervention on Diggs. Uh-huh. Everybody needs this. Cuz I'll just say this. When I heard the interview yesterday, my mind probably went to where a lot of people's mind went, which is where it happens every time it seem he seemingly talks now, which is just oh, here we go again and why why are you answering it this way? That's basically me. Asking myself, like, while I'm rubbing my eyes, why, man, do you have to answer questions like this? Well, we can play the whole thing. It's two minutes. But I I, I pulled out a couple of highlights. One of the things about it is, you know, it's Kay Adams, and it's a two-minute interview. She speaks with Stefan Diggs. It's, there's a longer interview, like you said, still coming to be posted at 9 o'clock today, so I'm sure it'll be retweeted with more. I mean, clickbait is whatever. It is what it is. They probably picked out the... The most clickbaity part, if you will, of the whole thing. Right. A lot of the headlines were, whatever happens, I'll be ready. 
Yeah. You're like, oh my goodness, why is he saying that? Why is he doing that? Okay. That was one. The other one I saw that was mentioned a lot, and even I tweeted about it, was when he said the words, where there's smoke, there's fire. Where there's smoke, there's that fire. Was, that was mentioned Interesting. a lot, too. I, I saw, I saw yeah, Dig said, where there's smoke, there's fire. We'll, we'll get to that. So... Alan yesterday on the Pat McAfee show talked about how, you know, that's my brother. We're going to do big things next year. Mm-hmm. And one of one of the things about Diggs is, like, in this conversation, here's Josh who picks him up and lifts him up and says that they're family and they love each other. And you've got to ask the question, Joe, why doesn't Diggs just say that? Why, why is it that Josh Allen's the only one that's picking up Diggs and saying how much he loves him? That's still my brother. You know, I kind of get sentimental about it because he's still family at the end of the day. He's always going to be family no matter how it shakes. Oh. Oh, he did say that. Mm-hmm. He says he gets sentimental about the concept. Oh, okay. All right. Let's scratch that one off. Um, why doesn't he say he wants to stay here? I'm not saying goodbye. I hope it's not goodbye. I hope it's not goodbye. Interesting. Why doesn't he say he wants to retire a bill? I've said that. I told him, you know, interview after interview, I wanted to retire a bill. Hmm. Second time. Second time he has said that. Interesting. Why does all this nonsense keep happening when i don't say nothing at all i think it bothers a lot of people that's it now you might think i picked those out mm-hmm. and i edited those or had josh edit those that was the that was the bones of the interview that was it the headline whatever happens i'm ready he has now said he wants to retire a bill into a microphone twice you don't have to believe him you can think mm-hmm. he's putting on a show. That's fine. He has now said it twice. In this one with Kay Adams, he says he told the Bills that. And then he goes on to say, but mm-hmm. that's not up to me. It is not up to Diggs. He cannot decide if he wants to retire a bill. And if you want to engage in this thought exercise with me, ready? Mm-hmm. What would Brandon Bean say today? If we ask him, can you tell us that Stefan Diggs will retire a bill? He would probably say <laughs> he he, what would, would, what he would, would say something about it's a business and like you I mean you can't predict the future or how huh. far in advance. Interesting. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't say yes. Why doesn't Bean want Diggs to retire a bill? How come? What is Bean hiding? Why won't he answer that question? Why won't why won't Brandon Bean say I want Stefan Diggs to retire a bill. Why won't he say it? Wouldn't Bean also say, though, he's going to be a bill this year? He might. But that is again, something that Diggs will not com- – well, he, he's not even saying it's his own reasoning. He won't get to, oh, I'm a bill next year. He says he wants to retire a bill, and he said, I hope it's not goodbye. In that interview. Right. He says he hopes it's not goodbye. Right, that's right. It's not up to him. But he should have no reason to believe that anybody is thinking about trading him. Unless – when you talk about, hey, he said, where there's smoke, there's fire. At the end of that interview, he said, why does it keep coming up? Why, why do people keep saying it? Where there's smoke, there's fire. The point being, every time it's reported, mm-hmm. he's, he's with us. Why are people saying it? Where there's smoke, there's fire. He has been traded before. Yep. He did not ask for a trade before. He tweeted something, and then he got traded. Right. And around the league, guys get traded all the time. What Diggs knows is that it is a business. You could be one of these players that thinks you're going to play your entire career for a team and heart and soul it and say it every day and then get traded. 
We've seen players cry when they're traded. Mm-hmm. Maybe because they think they're going to stay in one place the rest of their life. But what Diggs is, he's a guy that knows it's a business. First and foremost, it's a business. He works for the Bills. This is not a marriage. This is They're not dating. It's a, it's a business relationship. He works for them. He works for you, Bills fans. He talked about Allen when he came here, open arms, the family feel. He mentioned Bills Mafia. Mm-hmm. The turning on him from Bills Mafia, or for, not, not all Bills, whatever, but it, it's wild to watch people say he is, here he is, he's doing it again. Doing what again? Saying he'd like to retire a Bill Again, well, what he's really doing, and he what he's doing is he's not making anybody ever feel better about these questions that are being asked. What because what, he doesn't answer it the way most athletes do. What words would make it feel better if he gave a very short answer of "I'm going to be a Bill next year" and I'm not talking about this anymore? That's not up to him. But he can will, still, but he can still say it. Will Brandon Bean say it? But if he said it, it wouldn't. Who care if he got traded? No one's going to hold it against him. You would. In fact, actually, if he said it. It would actually go even further. It would probably even say more about how it's not up to him if he were to get traded. Because, hey guys, if he got traded, if he got traded tomorrow, how many people would believe that it was his doing? Too many. Or maybe most people would believe it was up to him. Versus if he had been saying, every time he's been asked that question the last six months, just the same sentence, I'm going to be, I'm a Buffalo Bill. I have no plans of going anywhere else. That's it. Like short answer like that doesn't elaborate at all any further. And then he got traded. What would you think? Everyone would think that the Bills are the reason why he got traded, not Diggs. I don't believe that for a second. People believe what they want to believe. Sean McDermott says we need explosive plays. If the Bills draft a defensive tackle, what will you think about Sean McDermott's input in the first round? You'll think what you want to think. I'll think what I want to think. We'll think, well, McDermott came in there and said, well, I need a defensive tackle. Even though it might not have been his decision. Brandon mm. Bean's the one that pulls the card. But that's what people want from him. They want, he, him, they okay. want him to not take the question anymore. They want him to, to bypass it like it's ridiculous. Oh, they wait, want, hold they on, want hold him on. Wait, to treat it with as much fervor as they do when they have to talk about the idea. People want him to not take the question. He did. This is a little bit of a cheat, but I'm going to take it in a snarky fashion. When he leaves and doesn't take questions, people get mad at him. Mm-hmm. So well, I don't mean he gets up and walks away. I mean, he, like, oh no, I mean when he leaves locker rooms after yeah, yeah, seasons, yeah. you right. want him to not take the question about the future. So if he leaves the stadium and doesn't take questions about the future, that's bad. But also when he takes questions about the future, that's yeah, bad. I don't even know if I mean not take the question as much. I mean dismiss the question, like sit there and answer it, but vi- like in a very dismissive fashion. He of, knows you're you're stop asking me this question. It's not happening. I'm a Buffalo Bill. Like that's it. It's not up to him. But again, he doesn't need to get into that. He doesn't need that's, to say that. But that's everyone the, knows that. That's the point. It's not up to him. Why doesn't Brandon Bean say today Diggs is on this team next year? He hasn't said that yet. Will he say it? Does he have God, to? He pretty much he said it at the end of he season. He said we believe he's a number one wide receiver. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Allen said we're going to do big things next year. Okay, yeah. so Allen says in in the interview with Pat McAfee we're going to do big things next year. Right. If he gets traded, they trade him against Josh Allen's wishes. The way Allen's talked? I mean, I would believe that. Do you think they would ever do that? If Against Allen's, Allen's wishes? Yeah. No, that's why I, I don't think the Bills are thinking about trading him, which is why it behooves me that he thinks it's possible. It keeps getting reported. Where there's smoke, there's fire. That's what he said. Right. 
But he like, got traded before. But man, I don't I don't know how his agent or somebody can just explain to him. It's there's no, there's zero percent chance because there's not zero percent chance. I don't. Again, we like where where are they getting the? Then you get into the contract stuff and like how that works and like where his value is at this point and where the bills would be at the position. Just I never get to a realistic place where it ever makes any sense for anybody for him to be traded. I totally agree with but that. But yet here it keeps getting asked and it keeps getting talked about. Why does it keep getting asked? Because. Well, part of the reason it keeps getting asked is because the K. Adams of the world know if you ask Diggs about it, he's going to go for two minutes and he's going to give you a good segment on it. Right. And that's the that is he's a, going to give you. But Bills fans don't want that. They want him to not give them that segment, not give them those headlines. Say it's I'm not talking about this anymore. You can ask me the question, but and I'm not going to get up and leave. But I'm dismissing it. This is not a thing. So just because he says. Okay, I get the list here, short version. Love Josh, that he's family. I get sentimental talking about him. I hope it's not goodbye. I told him I want to retire a bill. But people, right there, end it. That's it. No, he said, no but I'm but the explanation for, is, I'm prepared for anything and all that, like, added in at the end. You know, where there's, where there's smoke, there's fire comment. Just no, when there, Josh, can you pull up the where there's smoke, there's fire con, 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 comment? That is about being. Why doesn't Brandon Bean come out today and say we're not trading Stephon Diggs? Right now. Do it right now. Why does Diggs have to perform for everybody? Well, he, he's the one that's getting interviewed. Okay. Well, Bean, squash it right now. Say it right now. He's got our phone number. Mm. He's going to call us. <laughs> he's probably there. He can say it today. Why won't he do it? Why won't he say it? Why won't Brandon Bean commit to Stephon Diggs? Why won't Bean say... He's going to retire here. Answer, it's a business. They want to keep Gabe Davis, and they can't. Yeah. They're going to move on. Why? Because it's a business. Gabe Davis might be one of the more beloved players the Bills have probably ever had from a coaching staff and front office and everybody. He wins the Iron Bill Award. They love everything about him. These are not marriages. What are they going to do with Gabe Davis? They're going to say goodbye. Yeah. Because it's a business. We can't afford to pay you what you're about to make. Whether they want to get better or not, maybe the money comes in right and Davis does come back. Who knows? But why won't Bean say, oh, he's here next year? He hasn't said it yet. Brandon Bean could squash this today. But he and McDermott and Allen, whenever talking about the subject, never sound like they are entertaining the possibility that he's not on the team anymore. And Diggs does sound like that. And that, by roadblock, is I don't think there's a possibility he's not on the Bills next year. And I've got the coach, GM, and quarterback that repeatedly talk like he's on the team next year, and that that's just it, even if they don't outright say it. And I've got Diggs repeatedly sounding like he thinks there's a chance he's not. And, again, maybe there is a chance. I'm sitting here today thinking there is no chance he's not on the Bills because there are so many roadblocks that prevent that deal from happening that it's just not realistic to me. And I, that's how everybody else sounds. It's not how Diggs sounds. I agree with all that. All of it. It's very unlikely. I don't think it makes any sense. It doesn't make the Bills better. There's no way they should do it. But, at the same time, Bean has not committed that he won't do it. Why won't he commit to not doing it? If you're going to sit here and tell me Diggs needs to promise you something he's not in control of, and the person that is in control of it does not have to promise it, I don't take it seriously. Brandon Bean is in control of that. Promise you won't do it. Not, I mean, like, that would sound like a... <laughs> promise me. 
Just yeah, we've got this standard for digs where you want to literally write the words that he he has to say to entertain everybody to keep everybody well calm. What, what everybody sounds like here is a person in a relationship. Then when, when the person writes back K, oh, are you mad about that? Are you upset? You only wrote K. You're overinterpreting every letter. It, this is all for content for everybody. Everybody, you're right. Why but does he's why the does one K one giving the content? Sure, Alan's not. He's not. No, Alan. Alan. Whenever he talks about Diggs, if Diggs had answered all of his questions, I don't, I'm not saying he needs to be a robot. But you're right. I, if, but if, this is how it works. If you wanna, if you want to keep your name out of those rumors and keep the smoke billowing, you answer the questions like Josh Allen and said then, we're going to do big things next year. It, exactly, and then it's over. And so, then I don't have. I guarantee you, on ESPN in an hour and a half. They're gonna have a story about what Diggs said to Kay Adams yesterday. Sure. And if he had said what Allen did, no it wouldn't it would not be on that show. Today. Well, Josh Allen knows there's no chance he gets traded. He doesn't have to ever but worry about it. He talks that. like there's no chance that Diggs gets traded either. He says we're gonna do big things next year. Right. Right. When talking about Diggs though. So if Josh Allen says we're gonna do big things next year, and Diggs says I hope it's not goodbye, but it's not up to me. Josh Allen just that, that that, but it's not up to me. Allen doesn't say it's not up to me. What if Allen said it's not because up to it, me, it would is, be the same story it, because line. it is up to Allen. It is. He gets to decide if they said you want him back, and he says yes. You think he comes back? Wait one more time. If, the, if, if, Allen, if Allen says I definitely want him back, do you think the Bills bring him back? I think he's back no matter what. If Allen says I want him yes. back, if yes. Allen says I want him gone, what happens? I, they don't. Tra- they can't trade if him. Allen, they cannot if Allen trade him. Allen says he's I on want the team him gone. You think he's on the team? I think he's on the team. I don't think there is an avenue where he's not a bill under any circumstance. I think if Terry Pagula went down to Brandon Bean tomorrow and said you need to get him off the team, I think he would be on the roster and sit on the bench the way Deshaun Watson was when he was a Texan. I don't think he's not on the roster. The, the he ca- might not play. I don't see how they do it, and nobody's told me a realistic way it happens. Well, the realistic way is you cut bait this year, you take a little bit bigger of a cap hit than your dead cap, and you're done in one year. Teams have taken bigger cap hits for this than this. The Bills would say, addition by subtraction, he's gone. If Josh wanted him gone, would he be gone? I think the answer to that is yes. There's one. Diggs is not in control of this. Like I, I don't know what else to say. He's not in control. He's just a guy that knows, hey, it's a business. Anybody could get traded. Anybody could. Tyreek Hill got traded. Tyreek Hill did not want to leave Kansas City. He got traded. And then they told him, like, help them pick. He went to Miami. Debo Samuel, in April of 2022, mm-hmm. publicly requested a trade. Yeah. Yep. What's he doing right now? Gearing up for the Super Bowl. We haven't even gotten to the portion of this where it's, who cares? Right. There's a big part of it that's that. Who cares? Diggs is just of a mindset. We did this earlier this week. He doesn't want to play your game, a saying what you want him to say. He knows it's not up to him. And he said this at training camp. And this is like this is where you need to get to on how Diggs' mind works. Happy or if I'm happy, why do you care if I'm happy? Mm-hmm. Why do you care? I'm going to do my job. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be a professional. Why do you care if I'm happy? You know, there are, there, are different, wow. there are different ends of the spectrum to this. And I'm not going all the way to the one side, but the Sabres, as a mindset, used guys that want to be here. Mm. And that was cool for a while. And how do we feel about that now? Who cares? Right. It does not matter. 
I mean, at their core, the reason people care, and this is not Diggs' fault, is that there are decades of sports history in this town where usually what not being happy means is that guy's get that guy's about to leave. A sure. very good player is about to get the hell out of here. And Diggs could be different. Diggs could be the guy that says, right, like, I, I'm not happy that we're not winning, but I'm good. I'm professional. I'm going to do my damnedest. But the, the, what fans think of then is all the players that have been unhappy over the time, the times, and have ended up getting their way out. Every single one of them has yeah, found their way right. out. That's right. And Diggs could be the one, the one exception. But again, like I don't even want to put that on him because he doesn't say that I'm unhappy. He just says, "Why does it matter?" Sure. We'll get we got calls. We'll get some calls on the other side. I'm not telling any any of you you have to believe anything he says. I'm not here as some naive person that thinks like you must accept everything he says as the truth. I'm just sitting here mainly saying, stop asking for him to say exactly what you want. It's not up to him. And ask Brandon Bean, next time he's in front of a microphone, is Diggs going to be on this team this year? He can just say yes. And if he doesn't, then isn't Diggs right? It's not up to him. It's up to the guy that makes trades. We'll get a call in or two. 803-0550. Tell us we're crazy if you want. <laughs> it's a Friday, and the Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl. What else are we going to do? We, gotta <laughs> ye- we might as well yell at each other for a little while about yeah. dramatic stuff. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. You know, when you hear a lot of rumors and such, it's like, where did it come from? Where there's smoke, there's fire, usually. And I try not to pay too much attention to it. Uh, that's why I said I'm just being where my feet are. There's the context of the where there's smoke, there's fire. You hear a lot of rumors. You wonder where it's coming from. I'm going to be where my feet are. I like the I'm where I'm going to be where my feet are thing. That's it's living, in, nice. living in the yep. present. I think my annoyance might come down to I refuse to believe there's actual smoke. Okay. And Diggs acknowledging or thinking that there is smoke, I think, is maybe where my my holdup is. Because I don't believe there's real smoke. Yeah, he could know there's no smoke if, in fact, you know, being told the agent, like, oh, we're not going to trade you. Anyway, good morning. Jeremy and Joe, if you missed our last segment, we got into it. It's good. Good stuff. Dave and Hamilton's calling to uh, chime in. Hey, Dave, good morning. Hey, guys. Yeah, it's Jay. It's okay. Um, hey, Jay. Oh, good, Jay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, it's a travesty that Devin Hester, Devin Hester is in the Hall of Fame. Steve Tasker is still on the outside looking in. I just, I'll never get uh, past that. But uh, real thing about the, the dig thing, what I find fascinating, so I work in communications, and during that interview, I hear him say oh, he wants to be a bill, retire as a bill. And I'm like in the corner going, yes, good answer. And then does the smoke comments, and suddenly I'm like Michael Scott in the office being yelling, no! So all this as a communications guy, as a handler, you drive me nuts. But if I, if I really dissect it, which I think we are, and it's awesome and I love it, um, this kind of is indicative of uh, Dick's personality, right? I think when you watch him play football and the way he carries himself, he um, he lives a life where he's not going to look unprepared, right? He's not gonna he's not gonna have things come at him unexpectedly. And I think a lot of what you're hearing with the, these interviews is him just doing a bit of self-preservation, right? He says the things like, yeah, I want to retire as a bill. Okay, that's great. He's not saying he hates to hear nothing else, but he's also acknowledging, and Joe, you said it earlier, and I think it's true. He knows. He got traded once before from Minnesota. He knows his business. He talks about fashion and those things that he does, and I think he lives in that kind of mindset where, hey, man, I've got talent. I know I'm good. 
I'm just going to do the best I can, and whatever happens, happens, and I'm not going to look like a fool. And that's kind of, think, where it's coming from. Thanks, Jay. I think it's a good assessment. And in the process, it has some people thinking he looks maybe like a fool, but whatever. Like that That's a little bit of my vibe on it. I just think he's his own cat. He doesn't want to play your game. He answers the questions as best he can and says, but at the end of the day, it's a business, and it's not up to me. And, you know, some players, like, didn't Leonard Floyd? Leonard Floyd said he'd like to come back, but it's going to come down to where the money is. Right. And we don't care about that because Leonard Floyd is only a hired gun who was here for one year, who had a really good year. I think it was Floyd that said this. All right. Hey, Vaughn showed up here, I remember, and talked about how there's nothing to do here and that he would have went to Dallas had they offered the same money. Like, the week he arrived. Yeah. Ed Oliver. We were, were like, on cloud nine, so we just, like, we forgot about that. If you watched Ed Oliver's interview right after his contract extension, it was all about, like, how he's excited to get paid. He got money. Got paid. Got money. Now, some people would get mad about that. Yeah. Others just like, yes, it's a business. He he cashed in. He got he got paid. He got a check. This this is where the digs stuff trips me up because I want I do want all athletes to you know answer honestly, be willing to say things, talk interestingly, right? Which you so rarely get. I want that, but I also feel like. Like the, the Diggs' personality, and I think a lot of what you said is right about the way he talks, the way he answers questions, thought-provoking, right? He, he said eloquent during that interview with Kay Adams yesterday is how he tries to answer questions. I respect that. I also do feel like because of the media world we live in, that's fine, but if you got to know. And he, he might. He, maybe he does. I don't, I don't think it's total him being naive to this, but you got to know. If you're going to be like that, every single time you talk, this is what's going to happen. That's the consequence of it. You might not care, right? but, like, and again, the next time Diggs talks, and he'll probably answer questions the same way, it'll happen all over again. It's going to be Groundhog Day every single time he talks because we're either not used to it or you're just Stephen Holder. I saw from The Athletic, you know, talking about Diggs yesterday. Um when he said at the Pro Bowl, I gave him a chance to backtrack, and he doubled down. Backtrack uh, off what? Backtrack off of uh, the comments that he made to about to Cameron Wolf of you know like talking about like kind of what he said yesterday. I don't remember the exact quote because now it's two digs quotes ago. But I don't know if he doubled down so much as he just that's what he thinks exactly. And I don't think a Stephen Holder is used to a guy like that, right? He, that's not the game he's used to playing, but that's the, that's the sport. That's the media sport that's happening. So if Diggs is going to play it that way, this is going to happen every single time he talks. And that does annoy me. So, again, I get caught in the middle because I don't want him to be a robot. I don't want all athletes to be robots. But this is what happens when you're not. 803 he, by the way, also talked with Matt Harmon for nine minutes. Yes, he and did. And Matt not- did not ask him one time about all this. It was more about the football. They did like a card game, too, I guess. Uh, you know, Radio Row, you got to keep it light a little bit. I thought the most interesting thing he maybe said, the most, not interesting, I think this stuff is interesting. The most sub- substantive thing he said yesterday was doing a couple of minutes on like how the offense changed once Joe Brady took over. Mm-hmm. 
and how like he knows his numbers were high first half of last year and not high. He knew the number, 864. He said it four times. He knew the number that he had in the first eight games last year. He's prepared. He <laughs> He's prepared. Yep. <laughs> And he didn't like smack trash anybody. Like he even said, like I, I was just being a good teammate second half of the year, right? He mm-hmm. was going fighting against the notion that all receivers are divas, and also said maybe we'll play some of these clips too. That like he we're did. not we're not going to act like offensive linemen. Yeah. Like we're we're out there getting touchdowns. Like it's just because we act differently than a fullback doesn't mean we're divas. Right. He credited James Cook who had a big breakout season. Yep. And those two were palling around at the Pro Bowl. But you it know, made me also think a lot about how Joe Brady's going to have to make sure he that what happened to Stephon Diggs in the second half of last year is not going to happen again this year. Right. He, he can't be averaging 35 yards a game well, and then be a top, the top offense in the league. Right. And if you don't even want to, well, I don't want the offense to have to you know, focus on Diggs. Okay, trade him. Get him out of here. The number one receiver on the team can't average 35 yards per game. Like, it just can't happen. Right. No offense that's any good is going to do that. No. Not even close. And the Bills went more to a run-heavy approach, and their defense started playing a lot better. There, there are plenty of numbers to show you that, zooming out, look at the advanced stats, the Dorsey offense and the Brady offense were not that different mm-hmm. from a efficiency. It was very small things that, that Brady did he, that we yeah. we liked. You know, no No yeah. criticism to Joe Brady here. He did a good enough job. But I definitely think the offense has to get better than it was down the stretch under, oh, yeah. under Brady. Even the idea that they went run heavy, they definitely ran the ball more. But I looked up the other day that their neutral pass rate, Joe Brady versus uh, Ken Dorsey, they were 8th in the league in pass rate under Dorsey. They were 14th under Brady, which is a big drop. But I compared that to Miami, who I didn't even realize this happened with. Miami, in that same time period, week 1 through 10 versus week 11 on, the Bills went from 8th to 14th. Miami went from 4th to 26th. Hmm. That's the team that really went run heavy. The Bills kind of only went down, you know, modestly when Brady took over. But they did. So that is, you know, not to be ignored. They did run the ball more when Brady took over. And I think the idea should be this offseason, which is the whole theory of the wide receiver train, is you don't have to be the 14th team in the league in pass rate next year. You get back to being top five. Well, let's get to one more Diggs topic, and we'll get to a break, which is just this. He left Minnesota. He got traded. One of the reasons people thought he was unhappy was because that team was about to go more run-heavy. Right. And he got moved. And they ultimately get Justin Jefferson and fire the coach that was going run-heavy pretty soon after. They they were even doing it while Diggs was still right, there. Right. That final year. He only had 94 targets. Yeah. Which, of course, like look, look, right now, yeah. the idea of 94 targets for him oh my, I mean, is insane. It's insane. He left the team that gave him 94 targets, went to another team that gave him 150 targets. He blew up. They blew up. This is one of those. Diggs was right. Right. About Minnesota. Always like pointing out that season, though, because this is maybe Diggs, you know, just being like the sponge, right? Like just whatever he needs to do, he'll do. That year he had 94 targets, still incredible. Led the league in yards per reception. He he didn't have the targets. I'm just going to be the best deep threat in the league. And he had 1,100 yards and six touchdowns on 94 targets. Yeah. 803-0550. What, what, if, what if we know the Bills are about to go run heavy and Diggs is upset about it? Are you upset with Diggs? No. You'd be upset. No, I would like, want. I would Whoa. want him to be my flag bearer. Right, <laughs> right. All of a sudden, you'd say, "I want to." You got to up behind you, him you with a to, sword. Right. 
Oh, diva, my diva, let's go. I'm behind. We have to stop this right away. Yes. Right. All right. 803-0550. Dan Dunleavy, 830, ahead of uh, a Sabres Kids Day game tomorrow afternoon. And uh, Kevin Price, PJTour.com, joining us. Uh, former morning show intern from Orchard Park. Kevin's going to join us. He's out of the waste management. We'll chat, you know, all things with him. You know, good stuff. More of your calls, texts, tweets, instant trivia. Maybe a let's get stupid if there's time. Wide receiver idea of the day. Plenty to get to. We haven't gotten to our, our topic like what trophy would be the best doorstop yet today. Maybe we'll find our way to something like that. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was a lot of fun yesterday. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Hot dog! <laughs> we got a very short segment. This is the time of the show where we're going to guess what a St. Louis hot dog will be. You guessed the other day, right, that there would be a uh, a St. Louis style of hot dog? Maybe, and I but... looked, and they do have some, like, toppings that sometimes are normal, but there's not, like, a go-to okay. that's, that's the same for everybody. It's like banana peppers. Um, here we go. Hot dog. The official hot dog of, C- of uh, St. Louis has... Grilled onions, green peppers, banana peppers, bacon, and smoky pepper mustard. Okay. We call it like the arch dog? It's it's a thousand percent going to be the arch. There's no way it's not the arch. Well, well how would they do that, we, though? We, we they gotta, they we, somehow shape the hot dog? No, like, it's uh, just gonna, they just call it that. Like, we it have to open have our to minds, though, because look like that. they've done, for instance, when it was Columbus, they did a tribute to Jack Nicholas, the, gold, right. the golden bear. So you have to open your mind to famous St. Louisians, is that? Wow, that can't be right. <laughs> okay. Or can it? You it sounds it. great. You, you take a crack at it. Maybe it is St. Saint, Louisian, is that what I don't know. Said? It's what came out. It's what came out. I, don't, I, I didn't plan it going in. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louisian. Just uh, it's got to be Louisian. Too, it's too fancy for St. Louis. No offense to St. Louis, but no, no, you need to be from like... Romania. Saint Louisian. It is. Like it's that. right. Come Saint on. Louisian. I'm right. Really? Generally. Generally. That's what they say. Isn't John Ham from St. Louis? He is. Ham. There you go. Ham dog. Yep. Put ham on the dog. Chuck <laughs> Berry it. is also from St. Louis. My first thought was Nelly. Yep. Nelly. Akon, too. A Nelly dog. Akon. Um, Yogi Berra. Chuck, uh, Chuck Berry. John Goodman. A lot of famous. I mean, I, Bob Costas. A lot of famous people from St. Louis. A lot. Mm-hmm. I'm only in the E's, and I've skipped by a lot. Oh, Jenna Fisher from The Office. Okay. Ooh. The Office Dog. How would What would you do there, though? The Pam. Paper. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's any like good food references from that show. I'm sure there is along the way. The Save- Chili Dog. They've well, done a lot of that haven't, this year, though, haven't they? With like chili-themed stuff on yeah. the dog? I mean, that's, well, that's, that's, a, that's an easy one, It's a I good guess. thing to throw on a dog. The Sabres have 48 points. The Blues come in with 54 points. Sweet. How's the Tage Thompson trade going? Uh, they, don't, they don't have O'Reilly anymore. No, they, but they don't. They also won the Cup. That's right. And Ryan Johnson looks pretty good now. And Tage is... I mean, a year ago, I was reading St. Louis fans debating whether they won the O'Reilly trade. Mm. They won the Cup, but Tage was on his way to scoring 50 goals. A year later, that's not Tage... So it's back to being, I think, a very clear-cut victory, if you ever thought it wasn't, that St. Louis won that trade. They won the Cup. Sonny Liston. Sonny Liston. Cedric the Entertainer. Joe Buck. Joe Buck. What do you do there? A Joe Buck dog. The Buck dog. 
Venison. Venison on a hot dog. There you go. Venison That's... hot dogs are incredibly good. I, yeah, but I'm putting. Oh, I know what like you mean. Like an actual venison hot dog. Maybe they do that too. I was saying, thinking, put venison on the hot dog, in some form. I don't know how though. Maybe a tribute to Harry Truman. <laughs> what What would that look like? I don't know. I would love a J- J- five fifty. Uh, what would a hot dog as a tribute to Harry Truman look and like? And what would a tribute to Trey Wingo look like? Because he's also from St. Louis. You put three uh, three wings on it. Earl Weaver, former baseball manager. Rusty Wallace. Anyway, Sabres and Blues tomorrow. See you there. We'll be there. Family's going. Yeah, family's going. Excited for it. Kids day. So you're going to get the kids shouting the goal announcements and whatnot, right? Which I always love. They should do that all the time. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, kids days are great. Last time it was kids day, they had bucket hats for the kids. Little Sabres bucket hats. Yeah. My memory of kids day a long time ago, I think, was going to a kids' day where they lost like seven to nothing <laughs> to Dallas and Botterill. Botterill slammed the door. That's a famous kids' day game. Okay, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm thinking of a different game then. I almost got run over by Tim Murray in a hallway. Oh. Just like he was charging out of a door oh. somewhere to go somewhere. The theme tomorrow is Sabretooth's birthday. Happy birthday, oh, Sabretooth. Nice. Happy birthday, Sabretooth. 52? 53? No. Tooth didn't show up with the organization. No? He was around in the 70s, wasn't he? Who was the... They, they have mascots back then? That's a great question. Tooth's birthday. Does it say how old he was? Sammy Saber. I looked up the original Saber mascot, and Sammy Saber was the uh, the first answer that came up. Bring back Sammy Saber. Right, listen, I'll take anything that can give me any juice whatsoever with let's, this team right let's now. Let's start a... Uh, you yeah. know, let's start a... A I'm, I'm ready to see again. Like jerseys are the thing that like excite me the most. I'm ready to see the slug. I'm Se- at that point. So for, for Sabretooth's birthday, several area mascots will be there to wish him a happy birthday. So we're looking at what Victor E. Bull. Yep, Billy Buffalo. Billy Buffalo. All the Bisons were like, who's the Bandits mascot? Uh, Rax. Yep, Rax. Rax. Okay. Niagara, Canisius, right? All the all the the big four colleges probably you get in there. Yeah. A lot of mascot hijinks potential. Maybe the Dallas Stars mascot missed his plane ride out back to Dallas. Maybe he's still hanging around. The idea for Sabretooth originally came about in the mid to late 1980s. Okay, so we're... I'm not seeing here when it actually... But it's like at was... least 15 years, it sounds right. like. Right, and he was at the 99 Cup stuff because he was, he was red at that point. Black and red. Yeah. Yeah, so... The switch for him was really drastic. Oh, yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> yeah. The sacrifices he had to make. Yeah. All right, 803-0550. On the awards, on Allen and Lamar Jackson, on DeMar Hamlin. We'll reset our web poll and get some thoughts from you guys on that. 803-0550 to join us here on WGR. Uh, first and foremost, you know, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what I am. Nothing is possible. I want to thank my organization, you know, Baltimore Ravens, for, you know, finally getting this deal done. <laughs> um, shout out to Eric, you know, shout out to Steve, Coach Harbaugh, you know, the whole, the whole unit. My offense, man, my offensive line, man, I can't thank them enough for what they've done. I'm not out there blocking, you know, catching the ball, doing everything, you know, as my team. It's a team thing, you know, for these awards. And, you know, I want to thank my fellow man at home. You guys have a great night, and that's all, folks. <laughs> NFL MVP Lamar Jackson, his second MVP, 
who like six teams had to rush to the mic during the offseason to tell you that they didn't want to even pursue him in free agency, by the way. Yeah. Nice. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. 49 out of, first, 49 out of 50 first place votes. We've got a Twitter poll about that, which is this. You can vote in it. What's stranger? Lamar Jackson getting 49 out of 50 first place votes, and I can explain that a little bit more in a moment. Or Joe Flacco winning comeback player of the year, beating DeMar Hamlin. So Mm -hmm. the thing about the 49 out of 50, which is, I mean, they both have elements of them that are strange. Give us a call on this, 803-0550, if you'd like to uh, chime in on the conversation. We'll get into trivia at the end of this segment. Uh, The system used to be you voted for one person. And that's why, do you remember a couple years back, Joe, and anybody out there, and Josh, that there used to be this, can you believe Russell Wilson has never received a single MVP vote? Right. That was a thing. And then digging further into it, it was, well, you can only vote for one person, which means no one ever thought that Russell Wilson was the single best MVP candidate. Right. And that's not crazy. If you can only vote for one person, okay, they change the voting. Now you vote top five. One, two, three, four, five. So you would think that the voting on the MVP would be spread more. Not everybody like, well, i got to pick a guy. Lamar's my guy. I could now like Lamar, but think, well, actually I think it should have been Christian McCaffrey. Lamar, I have it too. Worthy of an MVP, but not my first choice. Mm-hmm. Instead, the opposite happened. 49 out of 50 first-place votes went for Lamar. One, Aaron Schatz, went for Josh Allen. And I find it amazing that 49 out of 50, and I got a couple of responses to the Twitter poll, which are, this was a prisoner of the moment award. It gets treated now differently than it ever did before. Mm -hmm. It now gets talked about week to week. I came in here week 14 asking you, why are we talking about this every single week? Why is this about the odds on who they... Oh, now Brock Purdy's the favorite. He threw four picks. Now Dak Prescott's the favorite. Mm-hmm. He got run on by the Bills. Now it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Every week it moved. And that's weird that it turned into that. And the voting sure looks like that's what we have now in an MVP. 49 out of 50? Wasn't this, Joe, the year where it felt like you could make a case for a bunch of different yeah, guys? wide open. It was more open than ever. You didn't have a 50-touchdown quarterback. You didn't have a running back that went for 2,000 yards. Right. It was just, oh, it's, it's, it's different this year. And they gave it to Lamar with 49 out of 50 first-place votes. I'm blown away. I'm not telling you Lamar didn't deserve to be the MVP. That's a separate conversation. He couldn't have won it with 40? I can't get one vote for Tyreek Hill? Someone show me that they're thinking differently. And you and I talked about this as well. Ben Baldwin, who I respect quite a bit, months ago would have said something along the lines of, if you vote for anybody that's not a quarterback, you shouldn't be allowed to vote anymore. And I think, hmm. okay, I, I guess we've all decided that we're going to f- really make this MVP formulaic. But even in that, Lamar Jackson's EPA per play was not top five among quarterbacks. Right. And he got 49 out of 50 first place votes. I find it stunning. Yeah, when you boil it down, like what was the real what was the real case for Lamar being first? Like, imagine you didn't pay attention, didn't know about the odds all year. You never turned on the TV to see the discussion about MVP. All you did was you watched the games, and 
You saw what the numbers were at the end of the day. That's it. Now go into the lab and figure out who should win MVP. I don't know that I'm, I'm not coming out of there thinking it's Lamar Jackson. And the fact that you had Dak, you had Allen, you had Purdy, you had McCaffrey. Tyree Kill kind of cooled off at the end for he this. Did. Yep. But there was a time where you, you could still, it's 1,800 yards. You could maybe throw his name in to the mix. But you have five guys that you could all make a legitimate case for. And... I don't. Again, I don't have a problem with Lamar being one of the five. I just don't see where he comes in over top of all four of them. It it should have been split. It should have been a year where, it, if it was truly wide open, how come the vote doesn't doesn't represent that? Because if you look at touchdowns, not 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 Lamar. That's Allen. If you want to look at efficiency, that's. I mean, he was good, but that's Purdy. I think if you want to look at something historic, all right, the closest you're going to get to that is probably McCaffrey going for eleven or 2,100 yards and 20 touchdowns in a year at a position where that never happens anymore or hardly happens even in the, in, the, in the past. If you want to just look at the best passing numbers in general, then you get the deck. Like maybe Lamar is just the right combination of all of that, efficiency, numbers, winning, because I don't know that there's a single category where he's number one. But if he's number two in all those things, you know, is that why he won? Is it just prisoner of the moment at the end? I don't I don't dispute that. It's weird. It's very weird to me. I still think Hamlin not winning is weirder, but it's... What should the vote have really been? First place votes out of 50. Should it have been like... Should the winner have got like 30? Well, you know what it should have been? 28? It should have looked more like... The coach of the year race, where Kevin Stefanski won it in a tiebreaker over D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, what was that tiebreaker, by the way? First place votes. It was first place votes, yeah. and he had one more first place vote. Yeah. It was, yeah, 21 to 20. They tied on the actual point total. Yeah. And yeah. Stefanski won a very close race. The MVP right. should have been Lamar gets 20, Allen gets 18, Purdy gets 6. Don't count my math here. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. But you know the point I'm making. One more point, and then we're going to call in here. Aaron Schatz writes this last night. Aaron Schatz is the only MVP voter that voted for Josh, number one. And he wrote this. I'll admit I'm confused about voters who had Prescott and Purdy as first-team All-Pro, but not MVP. Yeah. If you are the MVP, don't you have to be the first-team All-Pro? And there's a good point here. Yeah. It's the same voters. Some voters would have voted Dak Prescott, the first-team All-Pro quarterback, but not the MVP, and same with Purdy. So I'm that voting. That is really weird. I, I'm a voter. I'm voting. Lamar was not the best at his position, right? According to me, right? But I do feel like it was the most valuable player in the entire league. How does one square that with a vote? I don't get that at all. Like the, for, the only thing I could think of would be if you believe Lamar had less help than Dak did. So that's why I'm going Lamar MVP and Dak first team all pro, I guess. But even in saying that, does anybody think that's true? That's not said about Dak, really, or about Dak, is it? That he has too much help, which is why he was so good last year? 
I don't know. I don't know how you. I don't know how you arrive at that. I, that's the only way I can even th- logical explanation I could think of for anyone answering why they would have two different people, yeah. and it doesn't really fit in this circumstance. But that's more to my point. First team All Pro was not unanimous, but MVP no. was right almost <laughs> forty nine out of fifty, and it was a different guy. Yeah, no, Lamar won first team All Pro. He did. Lamar got first team All. He pro? did get first team All Pro. Yep. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Jerry and Kenmore. Good morning. Uh, before I get to my main point, it was a weird night. Like, have you seen the analysis of TJ Watt stats versus Miles Garrett? I have. Category. And I, I did. Was better than not one. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so, I did. I did see that, and I I decided what I trusted was Miles Garrett. Not Miles Garrett. Micah Parsons chimed in on that. Micah Parsons, who finished. Third, third, yeah, third. seven first place votes. Finished yeah. third. Micah Parsons finished in third in what he said about it because, you know, someone posted the stats. He said, Miles was the better player. Reality of the situation. Miles faced way more double teams and has an effect on quarterbacks fans. Please stop looking at stats and look at film, please. Now, am I one to believe that these these voters are all out there breaking down film? Maybe, maybe not. There's a lot of former NFL players in there media people, whatever. Are they breaking down film? They must be because Miles Garrett wins that. Or, you know, it kind of gets more to the point about once it's all decided who you're supposed to vote for, people kind of fall in line. I don't I don't know. I know that Steelers fans were mad that TJ Watt lost to Miles Garrett, but here's Micah Parsons who had some numbers that looked better than Miles Garrett who said he thought Garrett should have won it. Okay, my uh, my main question is this. If if um if Allen starts the year next year and through six games has thirteen touchdowns, eight picks, a quarterback rating of ninety, and we're three and three, what are your what are your thoughts? Uh, in, in, in terms of what? In I terms of I don't know. I would have to see the games. Those are the those are the numbers Joe Flacco put up in six games, but it was an amazing story. Well, I mean he's Joe Flacco and and Josh Allen definitely do have different expectations. Uh, the other thing I, I didn't like necessarily is, um, has the uh, rookie of the year become a quarterback category too? Because yes. it's hard to have a better year yeah. than Nakua did. Yep. It, no, it was, just, wasn't it the, wasn't it the greatest rookie re- receiving season ever? Yes. He set the record. Yep. And that, by the way, was similarly like almost unanimous. It was 48 to two. First two place votes for the best rookie receiver season ever. Yeah. There might be. I would want to look at the history of that award. Stroud also had a historically good year, though, for a rookie. Not maybe not like the yardage record, but there were was, some. It was, there, the, it was EPA the third stuff. Was there the, was some stuff that said it was the best rookie season ever. By it was the third most yards and the eighth most touchdowns for rookies. Okay, great year. I'm the thing. Granted, I'm thinking he, of, he, he missed a couple games, so maybe if he plays the whole, all of them, he, he gets those. I think I'm thinking of then some fancy stats that said like he had the best rookie season that a quarterback's ever had. Yeah, and I don't trust that that's what a lot of these voters are looking at when they make that decision. Um, so the the thing there, though, is you're a more limited field. So MVP is going to be quarterback every year, every year for eternity. Yep. Rookie of the year, I mean, you, you'll you go years where there just isn't, a, like when Kenny Pickett was the first quarterback drafted, he did not win rookie of the year. You actually had back-to-back receivers that won in the last two years, Garrett Wilson and Jamar Chase. At least with that award, you'll have years where there just isn't a quarterback. There just isn't one to even really look at or think about. You want some instant trivia? Sure. I hope it's not Offensive Rookie of the Year winners because I have that open right now. It is not. Okay, good. It is not. Lamar Jackson wins his second 
NFL MVP. Maybe someday Josh Allen will win an MVP or two or three or five or who knows. Jackson is the 11th player to win a second MVP. Give me the other 10. Multiple NFL MVP winners. Instant trivia brought to you by the Farmer's Dog. Fresh human grade dog food delivered right to your door. 11, including Lamar. Multiple MVP winners. There are 10 more. 10 more. Brady. Correct. Manning. Peyton. Correct. Um, Mahomes. Correct. Rodgers. Yep. Marino. No. I'm I'm gonna exempt myself from this. They just had it on ESPN. Oh, the graphic. oh I'm not looking. So I'm not I saw looking. all of them. Okay. Uh, did uh, did Kurt Warner do it? Yes. Okay. What about Elway? No. No. Montana? Yes. Okay. Who's winning MVPs? That's this is running back territory. Oh, let me go. There uh, are no running backs. There are no running backs. There are no run. Oh, I'm sorry. There's one. There's one. One running back. One. How far back does this go? Far back. Jim Brown. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's exactly why I was asking. Um, three left. Oh wow, that was eight. Um, three left. It was seven. Seven. Not Matt Ryan. That was only one. Who else has won it? Recent. I don't think Roethlisberger ever won it. Um, let's go with two of these are going back a little bit, and one of these is going back a lot. Going back a little bit and going back a lot. How about going back a lot with Johnny Unitas? Correct. Yeah. The other two won multiple MVPs. For the same franchise that two previous answers won multiple MVPs. The same franchise. So it's this is all the same team? This is all one team? There are two teams here. And they've they you, both already appeared you've on this list. two correct answers. I see. And okay. the two remaining answers played for two of the same teams. I see. Okay. Uh, Kurt Warner played for the Rams. Nope, not there. Um, let's see here. Is there uh, Brett Favre? Correct. Yeah, Packers. Okay. And then there's one more, and I have a repeat team. Yes. There's not another New England guy. There's not another Colt guy, I don't think. There's not going to be another Baltimore guy. There's not going to be another Ram guy or Cardinal guy. Um, man. It's a quarterback? Yes. The the person you got correct already won it in 89 and 90. Oh, and this okay. guy won it in 92 and 94, meaning this team had four MVP quarterback seasons in six years yeah. from two different players. Steve Young? Steve Young. Wow. Four out of six from two different guys? Yeah. That's pretty Those incredible. are your two-time MVPs. Who will be the next one? Meanwhile, Actually, wait. Th- th- that's, that's a tough answer, I think, because there's no... Who else has one right now that's, like, active? 
Aaron Rodgers. No, he has, no, he's oh, he's he's has multiple. Uh, the the most likely to get a second MVP right now. Yeah, who's the next? The, who's going to be the next? Mul- who's going to add to that list next? Uh, the next candidate would be Matt Ryan or Cam Newton. All right, so nobody. Josh Allen should be the favorite for that. To get there first, yeah, the next person to get to a second MVP, Josh Allen. That's a funny. That's a fun bet. There's no one else in the NFL that has one right now. No. That yeah. Wow. Because Rodgers has two, and oh, yeah. Mahomes has two, and yep. Jackson has two. It's Matt Ryan and Cam Newton. Oh, Brady coming back though. There you go. But he, he would, no, he has he's, two. He's got a million. Yeah. See what Purdy said about him yesterday? No. Brock Purdy made an admission that I was stunned didn't get more news. He said. The Niners tried to sign Brady last oh, offseason. Yeah. And he was approached about it, yeah. Yeah. And he was excited. He was, he was cool with it. He was that. excited to work with Tom Brady. Yep. And Brady said no. Thank goodness, by the way. <laughs> Could you imagine if we were about to walk into another Brady Mahomes Super Bowl? <laughs> Could you imagine? Thank goodness he said no. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Hall of Fame class, something to keep in mind. You can bet the Bears will be in the Hall of Fame game. Why? Look at the Hall of Fame class. Julius Peppers, Steve McMichael. Okay. Like, the, the Bears are going to be in that. Devin Hester. Devin Hester. The yeah. Bears are going to be in the Hall of Fame game. Who will they play? Dwight mm. Freeney also played for the Bears. Oh. So, one, two, three, four of the seven Hall of Famers played for the Bears. How many, how many games did Dwight Freeney play for the Bears? Like, five? 2013 to 2013. Okay, so one year? No, three years. Tw- excuse me, 2010 to 2013. Dwight Freeney. That's what it says on here. That's wrong. He did not play for the Bears. Then NFL.com's got to fix their stuff. Yeah, that's wrong. He played for the Colts, then went to the Chargers, Cardinals, Falcons, okay. Lions, Seahawks. My mistake for trusting NFL.com. They have Julius Peppers' career written down for both Dwight Freeney and Julius Peppers. Oh, there you go. So that's why. My bad. Freeney. Go Orange. Sabres got a weekend coming up with a 1 o'clock Kids Day, Sabretooth birthday tomorrow, 1 o'clock for the uh, St. Louis Blues in town. We'll say hello to Dan Dunleavy when we get back and, you know, preview that. If you want to give us a call on the MVP, on any of it, you can join us, 803-0550 on WGR. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Happy Friday. Well, overcast today. Joe is reading today an article about the likelihood of cloud cover on April 8th. Oh, no. I was thinking about this yesterday, too. Because of the eclipse? I heard Chopin Bulldog talking about it, and I have told friends I am going to throw a eclipse party. Oh. Because I am very excited for it, and I had not... I mean, I would have obviously thought of it at some point. I had not considered the possibility that it would be cloudy. Hmm. Which, of course, you're about to tell me what. Is it likely? No, I, I wouldn't quite say. It might be a coin toss. We'll see. You know, historical data is what we're going with. I, I'm into space stuff. I'm into this kind of stuff. It's like a once in what? Like a 70-year thing? An eclipse like this in your area? Yep. I am absolutely driving somewhere where I can see it if it's cloudy here. All right. I don't know how far I'll have to go, though. Yeah, they'll be, probably online. Our story at WBEN yesterday, Niagara Falls, Ontario, is expecting more than one million people wow. for the eclipse. All right. Because I guess that's the place you would go. Niagara Falls. Okay. You just go for the most picturesque place possible, I guess. Yeah. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. 
chat about the NFL, MV, the MVP, the NFL awards, the comeback player of the year, all that stuff. Uh, also gearing up, of course, Super Bowl Friday as we uh, get ready for Chiefs and Niners, the rematch four years later. Joining us on the Western Hotline, Sabres play-by-play man Dan Dunleavy as we've got a, a game tomorrow, 1 o'clock game. And it's funny, Dan, I was thinking about this question for you. I saw a story from the Super Bowl. The Niners hotel fire alarm went off, a false <laughs> alarm. And I've got stories of players leaving their hotel. They don't think it's all that funny. Here it is, Super Bowl week, and they had to exit because of a fire alarm. Has, has that ever happened with you guys on the road with the Sabres? Yeah, uh, actually, it was a, in St. Louis. It was a... Um... Uh, her, tornado or hurricane alarm actually a few years back which I guess in that part of the country shouldn't really come as too much as a pri- uh, surprise but I forget what time it was it was in the wee hours of the morning an alarm uh, shouted into everybody's room and told everybody to uh, make their way uh, out of their room down the hallway just gave instructions with what to do uh, and I didn't really know what was going on because I couldn't hear anything outside the window I mean the storm wasn't there yet but I guess it was on its way and they take things, uh, obviously, as you should, like that very serious out in the Midwest or anywhere for that matter. But in the Midwest, it's, it's, you know, it's commonplace enough that they're ready for it. So we went, it was, it's interesting you asked this question because it's, it was like we were in a movie or something. It's just all these people being kind of herded in one direction. And you're taking, obviously, the stairway down. There was no elevator that we were taking. And you took it to um, a basement area. And then it was as if you were in some kind of, uh, movie where we went through the kitchen of the hotel <laughs> and then we went to, I don't know if it was another stairway, but we were just all ushered somewhere. And I, it, I thought it was part of me was thinking, are we being ushered somewhere by a group of aliens to be captured and whisked away somewhere, <laughs> never to be heard of it from again. So, but we wound up in this little tiny room in a basement and one of the news networks was on and we were watching the weather forecast the interesting thing is, and I, I genuinely don't know who didn't, but not everybody heeded the alarm. Uh, a, a lot of people said, no, I just slept through it. I stayed in my room. And I thought, by the sound of that alarm, there was no way I was just staying in my bed thinking everything's going to be okay. I mean, you know, at the very least, I was getting out of my room to figure out what was going on. But, yeah, it has happened. Yeah. yeah speaking of, like, staying through the alarm, I can think back to college where I'd have roommates who would refuse to leave and go outside during a middle-of-the-night fire alarm. And in this story for the Niners, George Kittle said he just went to his bathroom and sat in the bathtub for 20 minutes. He was not going to leave the room. He was going to wait inside <laughs> well, the bathroom. Yeah, and, I mean, you you know this, obviously, and somehow it always comes back to talking soccer slash football with you, and that's not a bad thing, but – Whenever you play international uh, football, and I'm sure uh, the U.S. soccer team, when they go over, and if you play uh, in some countries, they make sure you don't sleep. And when I say they, I mean the fan base. They literally will camp outside the hotel and do everything possible, um, you know, sometimes to the unthinkable, really, to make sure you do not get any sleep. So a lot of times when you have teams going and playing international soccer in certain areas of this planet um i feel for the players and i'm often never surprised that they don't win uh because they haven't gotten a good night's sleep at all now they probably pack their ears full of uh you know ear earbuds or whatever to make sure they don't hear anything out there but uh it's it's never made easy yeah i whenever the u.s national team goes to like those Concacaf like central american games yep. I, yep. every single time i feel like we see some story about fireworks outside the hotel fireworks. at three o'clock in the morning yeah yeah see yeah. If the, yeah, that's the thing though if it's fireworks then i have to worry about the fire alarm being real right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there are some uh, there are some cities too and i'm sure even just when you go on vacation there or 
uh, when you guys travel, whether it's to Bills games or Sabres games or whatever, football, racing, whatever it is you're into, but there are some hotels you get where you've just got the room on the wrong side of the building. And on the side of the building you're on happens to be the street drag racing side at 1 a.m. in the morning when you're trying to get, you know, I mean, you're probably, <laughs> what am I saying? You guys probably aren't in bed by 1 a.m. if you're going to see a Bills game on the road. So that's probably a silly comment. But, um, you know, generally it's, there are certain areas of certain cities that it's just, uh, boy, I guess I'm not sleeping until 2.30 whenever <laughs> these guys decide to finish their drag race out front. Dan Dunleavy on the Western Hotline. Sabres will be up early tomorrow for a 1 o'clock face-off with uh, the St. Louis Blues. It's uh, another kid's day. It's Sabretooth's birthday. Dan, mm-hmm. I-, I wonder what you think about the way the team has played in the last month. I mean, you know, like we- we've been through seasons like this where a slow start really puts them in a bad spot, and then things start to turn. And while that can be kind of tough to rally around or get behind, the, re- the results for them have indeed been better. And I-, I feel like if this portion of the season – this last month had been the first month, then there'd be a lot of a, diff- a lot different feeling about how this year has gone. Yeah, sure. I mean, 100%. With, um, the reality is, everything you just said, the, the start is what has cost them here. And it's not as if they went on an eight-game loser, but what they didn't do um, was something that the St. Louis Blues have just come off of before the break, as a matter of fact, where the Blues went on a five-game winning streak and they find themselves, which nobody expected, to all of a sudden be in wildcard position in the Western Conference. So it is frustrating in the fact that, you know, if the Sabres did rhyme off, and I know it's an if all the time, and I get the frustration, um, but if they did just rhyme off what St. Louis did, you don't have to go on a 10-game heater, which would be the best thing to do. But if at some point they had gone on a four- or five-gamer, uh, you know, the conversation is you're four points out here. And, you know, I saw a graphic, um, I think Mike Harrington put it up on X or Twitter or whatever it's called these days. And it was an ESPN graphic about everybody uh, in the playoff positioning and then those teams that are in the hunt. And it 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 ends off with um, teams at 53 points being in the hunt for the wild card. And, you know, the comments are, look, the Sabres aren't even in this. Well, they're only three back of that, which you know, in the grand scheme of things still with, if if you want to have that conversation about being in the hunt uh, and whether the team, the team is in the hunt or not, uh, it, it's only going to take a three game winning streak. And yeah, they are in the hunt. So they're in that graphic. And every night that it's put up on TV, you're seeing your team is there. So that is the frustration that yes, despite the fact that they're playing better now, uh, everything that happened at the beginning of the year has cost them to this point. And the problem is teams that you thought would falter, they just haven't done it enough to allow you to even creep back in. I mean, even, you know, every night, Rob and I look at the standings after a game. Well, we just leapfrog Montreal, and then Montreal wins the next game. And then Montreal's back ahead of us again, and you're you're sitting in a, you know, in, back in the eighth seed uh, when you're trying to chase down wild cards. So that's been the frustrating part, that no matter how good you play right now, and there are areas of the game that are good, there are still areas of the game that need to be better, obviously. It's pretty evident. But, yeah, uh, yeah that therein lies the frustration. You know, one thing that's come out of this season so far, I mean, we're we're 50 games in, for, 50 games in, that I, I got to say a lot of us probably didn't expect, the emergence of Uka Pekalukkanen, who, I mean, we probably sat here, Joe, you and I, and said, well, why don't you just wave him or figure something out because you're going to lean on Devin Levi this year. And Lukanen has stepped into this role beautifully from uh, just looking better to being a 1A, 1B, to being the guy that the Sabres appear to be riding because his play has been so good. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm listen, I rarely say this and probably don't ever say it to this point in my career, but I will say and listen, I hope it keeps going for him, but it is a night to myself I said, "Look, I told y'all you can't give up on this guy uh to the tune of you you're just going to let him walk away as you say." And I'm not criticizing the comment because to a lot of people it, it would seem like a fair comment, but the reality was he just didn't get enough time to grow into whoever it is he's going to be as an NHL goaltender. You can't just plug a guy in for a few games at that position and then write him off when you take a look at all the tools that have gotten him there. Size. Uh, Every time he's played at a league level, it's taken him a year or so to figure it out. And then when he does, he's become the best goaltender in junior hockey. It took him a while in the American League, and it never really seemed. And I know there were a lot of comments because we're in a rush to get the next guy, and I get that. But it to me, when you look at the totality of the position, it's just not something that guys step into generally and are a stud from day one and never falter. So I just saw a lot in Uko Pakalukan in that I thought there's too many tools here to give up on. Sure, there's areas of his game he needs to get better at. Every player has that when they come to the NHL, especially at that position. I mean, that's the most scouted position by every other skater in the game where they're looking for everything you do wrong. And that's every single guy on that roster. So you got to find a way to, when you can't figure it out, do other things well enough that the percentage of plays that you're going to make are going to keep your team in a game. And I think that's what he's done. So in being given a run of games here, he has this confidence in him right now. And the way he's playing means a lot to that, um, that you would hope and expected to see in a young goaltender who's finally got some games and a guy who did have a pedigree of figuring it out. So I'm glad that um, it's worked out for him. He even walking around the room and talking to him, which has nothing to do with stopping a puck. I get it. But in a way it does because he feels that this, in a, in whatever small way for him, this is his team now in as far as him playing the position. Well, uh, you know, it's not his team to go out and score goals. It's not his team to go out and play better defensively in front of him and the blue paint, all that stuff. But as far as doing everything positionally, He's, he understands it. He gets it. He's got it. Uh, and he knows that it's going to take a lot of work to even get better. But I'm really happy for him. I'm very happy for the organization because this it's almost like going out and getting a coach every two years because things aren't going right. It just rarely works. So they stuck with him. Uh, and you're right. He's been, well, he's been their best player even the other night. He just finds a way to, to keep his team in the game and give him a shot. And Sadly, for a team at times that has such a potent offense, you know, sometimes they get stuck on not getting even one goal or they just can't get that second one. Yeah, you saw that breakaway in, I think, the third period against Dallas the other night yeah. that kept them in it. Is there yeah. another... In all honesty, when you're, watching that, when you're watching that replay, not to interrupt, but are you... And, and it's, a, it's an honest question and, and honest answer. I know you're going to give it. When you're seeing guys going on breakaways on Luke, and then are you at the point yet yourself where you're thinking he's got this, or are you thinking, oh, my, please have it? I, I am not yet. I think this year has done a lot for that. I'm also – there's at least uh, – oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. Last year I might have been, oh, this is totally going in. Whereas now it's starting to work back the other way. And the next time it happens, right, I might think, okay, he's he's going to get this. Sure, um, and listen, Edmonton fans would be saying that about Stuart Skinner for years, right? Sure, right. I mean, he, the guy goes on a tear. It helps them do their six-game <clears throat> heater they go on. But before that, there were times where you're thinking, oh, get, get rid of Stuart Skinner at Edmonton. It was the entirety of their conversation. So it is, happens. Is there another guy on the team right now that comes to mind for you of it's not going great right now, there's a lot of fans that are frustrated, but if you have patience, this is this is probably going to turn around at some point. 
Yeah, well, initially, um, that guy for me would have been Connor Clifton coming into a situation where, um, you know, a new group, a new system, literally. And I think when you come from the Boston Bruins and play anywhere else, it's kind of a bit of an adjustment to um, culture, to guys you're around, uh, the pedigree. And I don't mean disrespect anyone on the Sabres team, but when you're playing with 63 and 37 and 33 at times in Boston when he was in the lineup, it's just a different scene, right? So uh, a lot of people expected a lot from Connor Clifton, and I think rightfully so. Uh, in certain ways, but it took him a little bit of time to get comfortable here, find his game, find which side is better for him to play on. Eric Johnson having a hand in at one point saying, I'll switch sides. So Connor's playing on his proper side and can feel better, more confident about his game, which I know a lot of people, uh, when they look at five on five numbers and break it down, I've listened to the conversations about Eric Johnson. He does a lot of little things with this team. And that's one of them to make sure other guys are getting better. I mean, Eric realizes the totality of where his career is at and what his role is here. And that's to help other guys get better. So he does that. And Connor Clifton, uh, I think, you know, there's a certain time where his game turned around and then offensively, I think the name that, I don't know if you're trying to get it out of me, but it's, it's pretty simple that Dylan cousins is that guy um, that there was just something about his game that, you knew there was uh, uh, the ceiling is still way up there for him, and you were just curious as to why that wasn't that ladder wasn't being climbed yet. To to use too many silly analogies, but he's there now, and it's in his face, it's in his makeup, it's in his mentality, it's in his start to his games, and every time he gets the puck on a stick now, where to me it just looked like, you know, I'd watch it and I think, why does it to me? And I could be wrong. Why does it look to me like he's trying to figure out what to do? I mean, Dylan Cousins last year knew what to do. Didn't mean to go in the in the net every night, but he knew how to start a play, zone entries, uh, retrievals, all the little things that you look at his game and you figure he he can be good at it in the National Hockey League. And he showed it last year. Didn't see it early in the season, and I know he's admitted that he's not where he wants to be yet because he's got this, you know vision is head of scoring 30 goals which is fair because he can um, but that's the guy I think that now is just turning his game around um, and you hope that there's enough runway left that it can propel this team into that five game run that again like the Blues just went on that nobody thought they could um, and if the Sabres can do that all of a sudden they will be four points out and in a conversation. Dan Dunleavy on the Western Hotline. Dan thanks very much we got to run uh, enjoy the game tomorrow we'll be uh, we'll be listening. All right. Well, I'm going to listen to you guys to explain to me because I don't remember how this happened in 97. Did Brett Favre and Barry Sanders share the MVP? I only remember a co-MVP between Manning and McNair. What year would that have been in? 2000, maybe. 2000. Okay. Because I'm just looking at it online because I don't have this stuff on the top of my head. Yeah. I know there was a co-MVP with Manning and McNair. But I don't remember Sanders and Favre. That might have happened. I'll look into it. All right. Well, you know, it's on the internet. I'm looking, so that doesn't mean it's right. (laughs) Thanks, Dan. All right, guys. Take care. Dan Dunleavy on the Western Hotline. He's got the call tomorrow, 1 o'clock. It's Sabertooth's birthday. Joe, he's right, by the way. Favre and Sanders split Split it in 97. Okay, good. And you you had it on uh, Manning and uh, McNair. 2000 or 2003? 2003. Three makes more sense. Yes. Because I was on the radio here when it happened, and I was not on the radio in 2000. I was still in college. Uh, Sabretooth's birthday, there's going to be a birthday card workshop, Sabretooth pillowcase for mm-hmm. the first 5,000 kids, birthday-themed concession options, and right. local mascot friends in attendance. Nice. All right. I'm hyped. Let's go. 803-0550, more on the MVP stuff, the uh, stat of the day, other hijinks, whatever we find our way to. Jeremy and Joe on WGR.
I want a half point for this. The hot dog of the day at the Sabres game at Sabres at Sabretooth's birthday is uh, the country grammar. I also want the other half point because I predicted what was going to be on uh, top of the hot dog. Okay, so what is it? It's the country grammar, which is a shout-out to Nelly. Yep. And the dog is topped with ham. John Ham, shout out to John Ham from yep. St. Louis. Provolone cheese. Bill Provolone, of course, where he invented <laughs> provolone cheese. Uh, and grill pressed with garlic butter. That sounds like a good dog. That just sounds good. That's a good dog. Yeah. Right. That sounds like a pretty good dog to me. It sounds like a, it's like a ham and cheese dog. A yeah. grilled ham and cheese dog. That's tomorrow at the Sabres game. I've got a stat of the day for you. Stat of the day is brought to you by Seneca Gaming in Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. So, stat of the day. Summer McIntosh, a woman swimmer. Okay. She won in an event leading up to the Paris Olympics, the 800-meter freestyle. Okay. okay. In doing so, she beat American Katie Ledecky. Yep. You've heard of Katie Famous, Ledecky. Yeah, Olympian. Summer McIntosh ended Katie Ledecky's unbeaten streak in the 800-meter freestyle. How long had Katie Ledecky been unbeaten in the 800-meter freestyle? I mean, she's been... So, what, what Olympics was she like... she make a name for herself? Was that like 2000... This has got to be like five, six years at least. Katie Ledecky had been unbeaten in the 800-meter freestyle for 13 years. Come on. Wow. <laughs> 13 years. So she... We're basically talking since then, like, the 2012 Olympics? Is that the one she made a name for herself? Yeah. And she's unbeaten since 2011. Now she's beaten. She lost by six seconds. A 13-year reign. Last time, Katie, entirely... last time Katie Ledecky won or lost an 800-meter freestyle, the Sabres were in the playoffs. <laughs> I was just going to make that joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was should, just going to make I that I should joke. not have taken that from you. That's you are, fine. You are the Sabres droughtologist. Yeah. There's that your, is good, though. There's your stat of the day. Jeremy and Joe with you here on a Friday. A little overcast out there. Summer McIntosh. Well, good for her. What do I hear? Is that your, you or me? Or is it? I think is it's it you. NFL music over here. You know what it is? You know what that was? Was it Olympic music? I've had the Diggs K. Adams interview open this entire ah. time, and it's just said it will premiere at 9, and now it's 9 o'clock, so here, the video just started. Here comes the full Diggs interview? It's literally starting right now. Yeah. Okay, hold on. I'm going to strap There's, my, a, there's no. a 30 second countdown for oh boy. more things that are going to get uh, tweeted about and uh, talked about. Joe, if he doesn't say exactly what I want him to say, exactly how I decide he has to say it, I'm just going to be so upset. I'm sorry. It's all, it's fine. All Imagine right. if, like, she didn't pick out actually the most clickbaity thing, and it just starts with Diggs just like, yeah, I'm, I want to go to the Cowboys. <laughs> right. It's going to come out and say it. I want to be a Cowboy. Anyways, go Niners. <sighs> go Niners. We haven't said that enough today. Yeah. Here's go, what, go here's Niners. what we got coming up. We got an open segment. We'll, we'll talk MVP and awards and all that a little bit. Uh, 915 Kevin Price, PJ Tour. Dot com. He's at the Waste Management. We'll talk with him about that. He's an Orchard Park kid. Worked for us here at WGR as an intern. We'll check in with him. Always good to talk to Kevin, who's on the tour. And at 9.30, I, I told Josh this. I haven't told you this. Ready? I want you to put together the most annoying outcome of Super Bowl 58. You think of one? 
I'll think of one. All right. Josh will think of one. The most annoying At outcome. 9.30, we will have a competition. Who can come up with the most annoying outcome of Super Bowl 58? All right. Which, All what, right. We, what America or we would hate the most? 803-0550 to join us if you want to take a crack at that at 9.30. You can do that. It's Jeremy and Joe on WTR. of the Bulls here to the 16th at the WM Phoenix Open. The countdown. Five, four, three, two, one, go! They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Yeah! Oh! It went in! It looks like a ticker tape parade. Sam Ryder taking it right at it. Come to me! Come on! There's liquid coming down. There's pins people this is golf a rock concert it ain't over yet mcgavin the way i see it we've only just begun you're listening to jeremy and joe on western new york sports giant wgr sports radio 550 hey happy friday good morning we'll check in from the waste management open kevin price going to join us on the western hotline in about five minutes we'll check in with kevin josh particularly that open about the waste management the 16th the stadium mm-hmm you know, Sawgrass, they call it the stadium course. This is actually a hole that is a stadium, the 16th, yeah, at yeah. the Waste Management of Phoenix Open. I was texting, so we've got a buddy, a listener, Bubba, who listens all the time, and we've had a chance to meet him. Sal and I met him. You met him. We were out at the uh, PGA, mm-hmm. whatever, and I sent him a message because he's, he's on the tour. He's traveling. And I said, so are you set up at the 16th? Like, what's, what's your story this week? And he basically, in so many words, like, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't go near that. And I said, is it because it looks like something you'd want to do, mm-hmm. but after 15 minutes you might want to get out of there? And his response was, yes. Yeah. Like an hour. There's only so much There's you can do. There's only so much of that 16th hole craziness that you actually want. It's like the Las Vegas of uh, golf holes. Maybe. Kind of, where it's it- awesome, but you only have a certain window where you can do it. Isn't it the Bills Mafia of golf holes? It's the jumping. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's the jumping through tables of golf holes. I'm surprised someone hasn't jumped through a table at that thing yet. It's right. It's raining. It's raining beer cans. Right when yeah. there's a hole in one, at least. Uh, that's not it's allowed. Beer cans when there's a birdie. Right. <laughs> that's not allowed rain. in any other venue. And I guess the closest thing is throwing hats on the ice for a hat trick. Yeah, but uh, hockey games. Yeah, y- you rain fire. It's nuts. It's nuts. So it seems like a, a fun thing to do and a bucket list item. But, you know, you might last about a day, an hour, two hours, and then decide, you know, it's time to move on. I did. Uh, I bet more hole-in-ones at the uh, Waste Management Open than there would be fumbles in the Super Bowl. I like it. I did one of those cross-sport things. So nothing yet, though, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think we got a hole-in-one. It's going to be 16 also. 803-0550. Before we get back to the Waste Management, and uh, Kevin Price is going to join us for that. Which it's a, just a fun event to watch. During the break, so nine o'clock hit, and Kay Adams' YouTube channel with her exclusive interview with Stefan Diggs that you may have seen a two minute clip of. There was more of it to air, and Joe was over here watching it again. Watching it again, do you have any feelings on it? Any thoughts on it? We we talked about this at length at seven o'clock. If anyone wants to go back and mm-hmm. dig through that, uh, but watching it again, do you have anything? 
I do watching it back a second time and getting uh, other things added in before and after more than I watched it the first time. I really am thinking, okay, she is setting it up, teeing it up the worst way possible for, you know, she wants the headlines about anything he'll say that could look like, oh, Diggs wants out. Diggs wants to be traded. He still answers the way he does, which I think is fine, again, on second watch. But, like, she asks him about reuniting with Kirk Cousins, for instance. Just every 70% of the questions she asked were targeted towards, hey, what about playing for one of these teams that are in the Super Bowl? Yeah, who would you like to play for? The Chiefs or the Niners? How do you think about that? Yep. So, one of the questions. A little targeted. One of the questions is, I think you need to get the ball more. That was the. First, or it was either the first or the second question. Yeah. I think it wasn't even a question. She just said to I him, think you I need think to get, the, need ball to get the ball more. Who do we talk to about and that? And what, what did he say? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, you're going to get me in trouble. Or yes, something. right. Yeah. I think you need to get the ball more. I'm not mad at her about it, but let's, hey, everybody, yeah. look at this stuff. Look at what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Then when he talks about how he is sentimental about his relationship with Josh and how we're family no matter what, she says, that sounds like goodbye, and he says sentimental. And he <laughs> said, "You said that. I, I don't. I don't think it's goodbye. Right. I don't. I hope it's not goodbye." Wild. I do just want I, to also not care about any of this because it's just he. I don't think he's not going to be a Buffalo Bill this year. I think you need to get the ball more. It's my, it's my new favorite question. Right. I mean, it'd be like, well, whatever. It's just funny. If Josh were going to win the MVP, would he have gone to the awards? Allen? Yeah. Uh, over what? Over He's there, isn't he? He didn't go to the awards. But he was in Vegas. He was in Vegas. Yeah, he, he didn't go to the awards. If he is going to win it, he's if, he would be there if he if he knew he was going to win it. I th- I think he would have to. Right. Cuz I saw a little bit of reaction like, "Oh, Josh didn't go." You know, LOL. That's awesome. He's t- he's telling them to shove it. Yeah. So he'd only go if he won. Yeah, I think I think I think that's probably out of right. respect for thank you. How much do they know the winners beforehand too? That's a great question. Like if he knew if he knew Demar was going to win, would he have gone? But did he know beforehand that it was going to be Flacco? Was Demar there? Yes, he was at he was there. Yes. Okay, so maybe he didn't know whether or not he would have won or not. Yeah, if he was going to win, he was going to be there. I think. But why sit there and watch Lamar win it? And you could do you're out you're out in Vegas. Do something else that night. He very much, uh, if you include the Pro Bowl, he's not one to just, you know, let me do this for the league here. I'm, I'm going to go golf and I'm going to go on the Strip, the two biggest events that he could have attended during the uh, off season. He's like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to do my own thing, which I have no problem with, by the way. But he's made it very clear it's kind of how he does his business. He also, by the way, said in an interview yesterday that he is focused on his health regimen this this offseason, which doesn't have to be news, but it is worth pointing out that's a change of a tone from last year where he did a couple of different podcasts where he was talking about eating habits and like fast food and whatnot. So that sounded very different from what uh, you've heard in the past. 803 to the phone, to the Western Hotline, Kevin Price joining us from Phoenix in the Waste Management Open. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're good. We're good. It's Super Bowl week, and that lines up often with the uh, the Waste Management these days. A couple of years ago, 
right? The Super Bowl was in Phoenix, and we were all thinking about, you know, what a trip that would be, go to the Waste Management and then go to the uh, the Super Bowl there in Phoenix. Anyway, um, thanks for coming on. You were there yesterday. Weather delays, which probably what? Does that mean that the crowd had a chance to get a little bit more lubed up than normal? <laughs> it's really crazy, this tournament. This is my first time here, and I've never seen anything like it. And the fans just are out. Literally Tuesday, it feels like a weekend at a tournament with just how rowdy they're getting and the attendance and what they're saying. And the 16th hole is just really unlike anything other with the stadium and grandstands all throughout completely aligned. The players come in and it's just a constant noise and the quiet please signs are out, but they don't really mean anything (laughs) because you're just like, it's just naturally there. Joel Damon's like throwing shirts into the crowd with $20 bills wrapped in. Um, and he writes handwritten notes like have a beer on me. It's just such a fun experience. Players wear jerseys usually on the weekend, throw swag into the crowd. But, yeah, fans were out in full force yesterday. There was that three-and-a-half-hour delay. But, you know, some left, so the crowd thinned out a bit, but mostly stuck around. And cold this morning, there's already a 30-minute frost delay. Temperatures in the upper 30s. But they'll be out. They're out at the gates getting ready to run. Yeah, yeah I, I bet. So it's the the stadium there at 16, is that some of it is GA and some of it is reserved? How, how does it work and what's the attendance? Like what on that portion of the course, how many people slot in around the 16th? It's totally like a Sabres game with like 20,000 people just around it. And then around a golf hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, around one golf hole, 160 yard par three. And it's one of those kind of akin to that set the 17th hole at Sawgrass in Florida where it's a pretty straightforward shot, but the water makes it trickier in this pretty straightforward shot. But the hole always plays around par. Last year, I think it played slightly over par, just that adrenaline, and you have to take into account where it's going to go. And, you know, the fans are going to boo you, which is so fun for a golf hole. You know, normally in golf etiquette, you know, people don't really boo. But here the players know they're going to be booed, and they'll, like, boo themselves, Just totally totally different and so fun you know as you think about that hole and how different it is from any golf hole any other spot what do the players say about by the way kevin price joining us on the western hotline associated at a pga tour digital content what do the players say about mindset because you know how golf works and how these guys work kevin a lot of these guys step into this mental space and they're so locked in for so long and here comes you know, like a shooter McGavin yelling, damn you people, this is golf, sideshow. <laughs> so how do the players manage to step out of that mindset and then like back into their regular one after that? It's one of those things where players, you have to just get into that mindset where it's going to be weird. You know, you're going to see people in wedding dresses. You're going to see people in bananas, people in <laughs> Spider-Man. There were eight Spider-Mans out there yesterday and they kind of, for the most part, what they say, they let themselves take it in as they walk to the tee and maybe take a little extra second just to compose themselves. And then from there, try their best to understand there's going to be adrenaline. A lot of guys will honestly club down knowing the adrenaline from that hole and putting on a show is coming. And then you have a few players who, you know, don't like it. And most of those players just don't come back. Like they come for a year or two and decide not to play. But for the most part, probably a good 80% of the tour they know they're golf fans at heart. They got into golf, watching golf and following along. And it's to the point where now this generation has also seen this hole as a rowdy hole. It really all started kind of the powder keg was Tiger made an ace in 1997 on Saturday, raised the roof, walking up to the green. He was less than a year into tour on time. And the hole was already getting buzzed from there. 
the tournament has been at TPC Scottsdale for 10 years, but from there it just completely exploded and the grandstand's coming up. So these players know what they're going to get into and they look forward to it every year. But yeah, figuring out that adrenaline can be tricky and definitely you see guys hit it over the green that otherwise wouldn't on that type of shot just from trying to handle the adrenaline. How strange is it to get weather delay or to even expect it for the Phoenix Open? I don't know if it's happened before. and I know it's your first time covering it, but... Uh, it's not generally an area where you would think of getting a weather delay. I want to say that there was a frost delay there recently, and the reason I okay. say that is because when Oak Hill got a frost delay, yeah. we were very sensitive to that, and it was pointed out, hey, they have them in Phoenix, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's happened a little here and there. It's definitely rare for the delay, and especially having that three-and-a-half hour. Because, I mean, players move here. Scottsdale is one of the most popular places to live because of the weather being so good to play and practice golf if it wasn't it wouldn't be such a hot spot for the tour kind of getting up there with Jupiter and Ponte Vedra and Jacksonville and Vegas just with the weather so it's definitely an anomaly but it's, it's not going to keep the fans away though tomorrow I'm kind of nervous because it's what they call the breakfast club and people get there at 3 a.m and run to the gates and I'm planning to go cover that and write a story on it and I don't know if I'm quite bundled up enough but you know being from Buffalo I need to shades back to camping out for tickets for the winter classic in like 2007. Kevin Price on the Wester hotline. Anything, from... excuse me, anything early on for the uh, for the leaderboard and maybe your preconceived no, notions on what who you thought was going to do well this weekend? So Scotty Scheffler is a, won the last two events here. He's He only played six holes yesterday, one under through six, and missed three birdie putts inside 12 feet it's kind of just his last year and a half he's just on an insane ball striking run literally like a tiger 2000 type of run and if he can get that putter figured out he'll he could win tournaments by five to seven shots so but that being said his putting yesterday did leave a little bit to be desired but you still would figure he'd be up there at the end and Sahith Gala, who shot six under yesterday from the morning wave the low score of the wave he two years ago was kind of his break out of the scene, hello world moment. He finished third as a sponsor invite. He was outside top 300 in the world at the time. Now he's 22nd, and I'd expect him to be right up there as well. Well, thanks for the time. Enjoy it, and, uh, you know, watch out for flying beer cans, yeah. beer, beer cups, I <laughs> suppose. <laughs> you going you gonna to post well, up at the 16th for, for a good stretch of it? Oh, yeah, I'll be at 16 probably all day tomorrow. Actually, have a um, Josh Allen jersey with me. That I'm going to try to get Keith Mitchell to wear. Nice. He makes the cut. Very nice. Chelsea. Very cool. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, guys. Kevin Price. He's out there in uh, in Phoenix, the Waste Management Open Forum. Former Morning Show intern, Western New York native. Twenty thousand people around a golf hole. Yeah. Some a listener sent a picture, and he was at that hole yesterday. And you can see it from his vantage point. It is like, it's like an arena seat. Like it's there straight. There's the hole in the middle, which would be the ice or the court or whatever. And then you just have stands right across from you, stands to the left, stands like it's it's a circle around the entire hole. Which I don't think I'd ever realized it was like the full stadium state. Like I knew that it was like the horseshoe at least around yeah. the green, but it goes all the way back even to like the tee box. Yeah, super cool. Pretty cool. Boy, the idea of 20,000 people being in a Sabres arena around a golf I was hole. I've I refrained from that uh, makes, yeah, making I mean, I wanna, I'd love to go and be there once, but just to describe it that way is, oh, yeah, I want to be there. I, de- I mean, I definitely want to be there. Ball flight in the air when it hits close to the hole just to, to go nuts no matter who it is. 
to see a hole in one and feel like you know you're witnessing, even though it could be the most random golfer, wouldn't even matter. Yeah. Awesome, very cool. All right, when we get back, the challenge we have issued each other. We got a couple tweets on this. Craft the most annoying outcome for Sunday. Tweet it at us in as few characters as possible. Chiefs win. No, <laughs> more than that. The most annoying outcome possible. We will try to find that. Our own suggestions, a couple different tweets. Uh, you can tweet at us and let us know what you think it could be, if you could put it together. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Super Bowl Friday. All right. So here's the challenge. Good morning. Lamar won the MVP. Joe Flacco won Comeback Player of the Year. The Texans nearly cleaned up everything else. They got Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year. Which, go ahead. Nearly got Coach of the Year and got Andre Johnson in the Hall of Fame. Right. And it's the second consecutive year that one team has had both Rookie of the Years. Jets and then Texans? Yeah. Pretty good. Ben Baldwin points out that 24 out of 50 MVP voters did not put Josh Allen in their top five. How many? 24. Man. Allen finished in fifth. Y'all in your turnovers. You got to get over it. How about this? 44. Of 50 MVP voters did not have Patrick Mahomes as one of the five most valuable players in the NFL. Did he finish in the top five? He did not. Only six people voted for him anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. Think of how funny that is. That (laughs) Mahomes, the only reason the Chiefs have a chance in this game is because people are like, yeah, but Mahomes. I was going to say, if they all re-voted today... Yeah, well, who would win? He'd get 40 votes of some nature. Mahomes? Yeah. Maybe not first place, but... All right, the challenge I issued to you and to Josh, and if you were listening to you out there, come up with the most annoying outcome for Super Bowl 58. All right. Tim writes in, a drive to end the game. There's a fourth and long play, little contact, but no flag. Mahomes pouts, gets a late flag to extend the drive, win the game. Then Swift performs on stage, and Kelsey proposes. <laughs> Hold on. That's pretty good. I mean, Swift performing would be fine. She's great. I so. would take that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, more. Most annoying potential outcomes. Eric writes in. The Chiefs winning and Travis Kelsey proposing to Taylor Swift on the 50 while confetti's falling in front of a billion viewers. Mm-hmm. Michael writes in. Chiefs down by six, one second left at the 10. Mahomes to Kelsey to tie the game. Butker is hurt. Can't kick the point after. Kelsey comes out and knocks it through. No way. (laughs) This is my energy. This is what I want. This is good. Michael's got this one. Thank you for that. Yes. Most annoying possible. Josh, Joe, you got anything? I got it. Ready? Yeah. Most annoying outcome is a repeat of last year's NFC Championship game. Wait till you see... The 49ers lose both their quarterbacks to injury and have to play with a running back, and the game is just not even a real game, and the Chiefs win. I wrote down right here, Brock Purdy gets hurt like he did in the Philly okay, game. Yeah. And, Mah- and Mahomes gets GOAT status for winning a game 13-3 to against the backup. <laughs> That's what I wrote down, too. Yeah. I have the inverse of that. Okay. I have 
The 49ers get a huge lead in the first half because Mahomes has a, her- a horrible first half with two interceptions. Leads wow. the Chiefs to a comeback in the second half, but falls short at the end of the game when the 49ers defense holds off the Chiefs as time expires. So the defense wins it on the field. Purdy wins the Super Bowl MVP with 220 passing yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's most annoying to you? Why would that be annoying? There's two reasons. One, okay. Mr. Irrelevant wins the Super Bowl MVP, and I feel like you know the general consensus is people would be annoyed with that. It's, oh, it's Mr. Irrelevant. Two, it'd be annoying because a team was able to stave off the Chiefs' comeback That's and not win the with Bills. their defense on the field. Yeah. I see. Hmm? I'll just throw them together right now because you took mine about the, the NFC. I, I did kind of want to go first because I thought there was a good chance someone else was going to well, take That's it. the most annoying outcome. It would be so annoying. Just because it was so annoying last year in the NFC Championship game. All right, I've got a new one. I have to remember for t- forever when ta- counting Mahomes Super Bowls, I'd have to remind everybody, hey, he won one without a quarterback on the other side of the field. All right, here's the most annoying Super Bowl outcome. You're watching the game. You're enjoying yourself. You're having a good time. Next thing you know, Gene Steratore appears on your screen. That's it. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. That's all of it. <laughs> Are you going to get upset at Dora the Explorer this weekend? Probably. Oh, yeah. She's a rules right. analyst Nickelodeon. for Nickelodeon. I hope someday to meet Gene Steratore to tell him, I have nothing against you personally, sir. I think you're probably a lovely person. But I cannot stomach your existence on my broadcast. Yep. Is it possible for him to not take that personally? I just think you don't belong there. And I can't believe that America has decided we need you and people like you. I can't believe there's so much energy for get Taylor Swift off my television and not nearly enough for get Gene Steratore off my television. Okay, I got another very, uh, very, I got another annoying outcome for this Super Bowl. Okay. The game's going on. We we, we get started. We're uh, somewhere in the first half. And there's a little bit of a break in the action, but we're not at one of those TV timeouts. So CBS, who has this Super Bowl, here comes Jim Nance. Like, hey, everyone, we want to make a special announcement. <laughs> they have the floor. They're going to take it. This is in response to something that a competitive network is already doing. Into the booth, like the Undertaker, WWE entrance, is Aaron Rodgers, oh, who wow. is here to announce that in response to Tom Brady, he is signing a $100 million contract to be the next Voice of CBS football in the booth. That's good. And Instantly. now we have to live with Aaron Rodgers in our lives for the next however many years, the same way we we're going to have to with Brady. That's good. Instantly right. replaces Tony Romo like for the rest of the <laughs> game. Yeah, they, they're going to do it while Romo has like left the, the for a snack or something. They're going to bring sneak Rodgers in and announce that he is signing a contract with CBS. You can text and tweet yours in. Actually, you can't text. We can't read text anymore. So you can call or, or tweet us. All right, what else? Most annoying. Uh, how about this one? The game happens. It's very clear the Niners are a good team, maybe the better team, but the Chiefs don't get called for any penalties, get some goofy fumble play to go their way and win by three. Oh, I'm sorry. That's every Chiefs game. <laughs> All of them. Every single game you've ever watched. This is aside from the game itself, but what if the commercials suck? Like, what if they're not good? The previews we've seen so far, like the Paramount one, that was great. Yep, yep. The messy one, which I don't know if you guys have seen. I saw it. It was pretty good. But yeah. I don't know. What if they're just not good? That I takes a, that takes an element out of it. You know, it's you get away from the game a little bit and you have some fun. Yeah. Hopefully they're good. Andy Reid, I don't know if you saw this quote from Andy Reid about 
retirement. Uh-huh. So he was asked about, could you retire if you win on Sunday? And he says, quote, I haven't gone there. I don't think about that. I'm tied up in the game. Mm. Let's let's apply the Stefan Diggs burden of proof to Andy Reid. Why won't he say he's not retiring? Why won't he just say he's not retiring? I mean, half snarky. But in all seriousness, doesn't that mean it's a maybe? If he says, I haven't gone there, I don't think about that, I'm tied up in the game, that's a maybe. And again, back to the Stefan Diggs burden of proof. You're asked these questions because people think it might happen. Kyle Shanahan isn't being asked if he's going to retire at the end of the game. Right. And if he was, he would say, why would anyone think that? Right. But right. Andy Reid, by not saying he's not going... By not saying he's... What am I trying to... You know what I'm trying to say. He's leaving the door open. He is. By, yeah, just by, by saying... By saying that. By saying, I don't think about it, he's, right. saying, he's leaving the door open. Because he could just say no. Why won't Andy Reid say he's not retiring? Because he might. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. What else could be really annoying that happens in this game? I was thinking of something Kadarius Tony related, but I don't know how to fit him into it. Because like, if he screws up, that's not annoying. That would be funny, I think. What if they run the same play against the Bills, but actually execute it this time? Oh, man. Would yeah. that be annoying? They win the game. The same exact way they were about to beat the Bills. Kelsey laterals the ball to Kadarius Tony for a game-winning touchdown. Be pretty bad. Reed writes in, Chiefs win 16-14. Game-winning field goal thanks to two questionable roughing the passer calls, three missed false starts from the right tackle, and Butker hits a 62-yarder in all the commentaries about how Mahomes was a legacy game. Mm-hmm. How about if the Chiefs... How about the Niners score a winning touchdown in the final minute and they're offsides, the Chiefs get the benefit now of an offensive offside penalty. They make the stop and win the Super Bowl with an offensive offside penalty. Would that be annoying, though? That yes. might be... Yeah, that would be annoying. All versions of the Chiefs winning are annoying is what we're learning here for you and I, at least. Yeah. Kyle writes in, Chiefs win, Kelsey MVP. Out of nowhere, Tom Brady comes out to present him with the first ever Tom Brady Super Bowl MVP award. <laughs> that is a good answer. That's a really good answer. I do want to say with mine, I'm not annoyed that the 49ers would win. I would just be annoyed in the way they would win. Uh-huh. Holding off a Chiefs comeback. Like, I don't know. I just think that that'd be kind of hard to watch. Yeah. Because then it's like, hey, a team, another team can do that, and you can't. So, I don't know. How about... Brady could announce he's coming back during the game. Who was the one who retired? Marshawn Lynch retired during a Super Bowl <laughs> once. Just announced it, middle of a game. I think it was the Broncos and uh, and the Broncos and Panthers when yep. he announced that he was retiring. What if Kelsey does that? What in the middle of the game well, or after the game? In the, yeah, in the well, same, it wouldn't be annoying. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like it might be like depending on how the game is going. I mean, really, any the, the, you're right. Any way Kansas City wins, it will probably be annoying, I think, under any circumstance. It's hard for me to find a scenario where it, where it, where it doesn't. All right, ready? Here's, the, here's a real challenge. Craft a Chiefs win that you feel good about. Is That's it, what I mean. I don't is know. Is it Kelsey retires? Kelsey and Reed retire? Kelsey and Reed retire, yes. And you'd feel good? Yeah. 
I would. We but would, then Belichick we, emerges from the shadows. And <laughs> hey, that's fine. He could. The next day, if that happened on the stage at the Super Bowl after they win it, the next day, wouldn't we be in here like, here we go. Now, they're they're gone. It's just Mahomes. I, Mahomes well, Island in Kansas City. Now the Bills are a, are going to top them. This is how it happens. I might be willing to accept that Reed might retire. Who, who takes over? Matt Nagy? Yeah, I mean, holy like, they don't it, could ex- be, it could be Spagnola. It could. Maybe who that's six, why he hasn't left. Who is 65 years old and has a record of 11-41 and 41 as a head coach in the NFL, by the way. And but Matt Nagy, he won a coach of the year, Matt Nagy did. Amazingly. Yeah. But but he's pretty it's why widely accepted he was a very bad head coach. Yes. In Chicago. Yeah, right. Like they don't have they don't have a guy ready to go. Eric Bienemy is available. Bienemy is available. available. That would be funny. If Bien- they brought and, him and, back and, in. And you know, would he be welcomed back? There's a story at NFL.com this week that Bienemy spoke with the Chiefs players this week. Yeah. Like he came back to deliver a message, I guess. All right. If Bienemy was their head coach though, don't you feel like that is we're still I don't want to say we're over the moon, but we're. I think people are hyped up about the off season and next year. If if the chi- that's two thirds of the whole formula, three fourths. If you want to go back to when Tyree Kill was on the team, yep. like now I've Hill's already gone. Now Kelsey's gone. Now Reed's gone. And it's just Mahomes. And then they draft Troy Franklin. Oh, don't do that to me. Now. <laughs> Troy Franklin. I'm. I'm today. I'm going to want to make him my wide receiver idea of the day today because I'm. Overly excited about yards per pass on Twitter, comparing him to a stretched out Deshaun Jackson. And the fact that he was second in EPA per route run among all of these route, these uh, rookie receivers, only behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, don't do that to me. I don't need the Chiefs getting him. It is that draft time of year where you fall in love with a player and there. now you want to see no one talking about that player. Yeah, I want, I want to like, tweet this. I want to create a speakeasy... A secret room where we all talk about how awesome Troy Franklin is. It, and we need to get him to go out the night before the combine, get him like a DiGiorno pizza the, the morning of, so that he runs a really slow 40 time, so that he falls to the Bills at 28. Or he could just say he likes music. Sometimes draft analysts don't like it if you have a hobby. <laughs> right? Don't forget. Yeah, that's true. Is he really committed to the game? Yeah. He has other He interests. likes guitars. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this for Adunze. This has happened a bunch. Like, Adunze, midway through the year, was like, hey, it's a really good wide receiver class. By by now, Adunze's a seventh overall pick. All right. I guess that's not going to happen. Also, the Bills at one point were picking, like, 13th, so we were really deep in the receiver class there. Um, who's another one for Phillip Rivers is this? When the Bills drafted Lossman that year, I wanted Rivers badly. He was yeah. like a second-round pick when the offseason started. Then he got fourth. Right. And got taken by the team that was picking first. So guys climb. That happens. It's the famous highlight of Brandon Bean at the Combine rooting for Gabe Davis to run a slow 40. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I'm rooting for with yeah. Troy Franklin. I feel like if he comes out and runs a 4-3-5, that's it. Toast. He's not falling to 28. If he comes out and runs a 4-4-8, then all right. Maybe we have we have, uh, we have something here. Maybe he could fall just a little bit. Extendo Sports coming up on this Friday. It's overcast. It's fine. It's nice outside, right? It's not raining. That's right. Not raining. 50 degrees. Let's have it. Jeremy and Joe, Extendo Sports to wrap things up on this Super Bowl football Friday of sorts.
they just flashed the AFC and NFC championship trophies on the screen. And how how would they do for doorstops? I was, 100%, I was <laughs> thinking about them as doorstops for the first time in my life. They're low to the ground, right? So I think yeah. you'd, they'd be pretty good for this. You want a wide base is what you want. That Be- looks like a good doorstop. Better Be- than the Super Bowl. Yeah, better than the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah. All right, Extendo Sports and then the Extra Point Show on WGR. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. So, Joe, you told me that the Sabres game tomorrow has birthday-themed items. Yes. There will be... Birthday cake ice cream. Birthday cake ice cream. Oh, there can. are going to be cupcakes. Let me tell also you, available. you. Oh my God. Careful. Cupcake. Cupcakes. Milkshakes. Peanut me, butter and jelly. Let me let me set the live odds that two two and a half year olds get birthday cake ice cream or cupcakes. It's minus thirty thousand. These kids are going to want those cupcakes. Yeah. Here's your options: peanut butter and jelly kids meal, hot dog kids meal, uh, Perry's birthday bash ice cream, birthday cake souvenir milkshakes. Birthday cupcakes, those are available, all the ice cream stands, the market, and then a saber-tooth rib sandwich. Okay. Is that a... Barbecue sauce, pickles, diced onions, seeded roll. Nothing too crazy. It's a good old rib sandwich. That's tomorrow's game, 1 o'clock. I guess the Arizona Coyotes are, like, finally actually going to move. It would appear. I The reason why, I think is that the league finally got pressed into it because the players' union is like, okay, enough's enough. Enough's enough. We're getting out of here. I bet they go to Salt Lake. Yeah, that's what I bet happens. And Bettman got asked this week at the All-Star break about other cities. Man, he was talking like they are going to expand again, even if... Salt Lake got the Coyotes. He's talking about, he's going to ask about Quebec, but he's talking about Houston and, and in Atlanta again. Like, they're going to be, they're going to be 34 team league. There's going to be, how many more cities are going to make the playoffs for the well, Sabres do? My, one of my theories on this is for the owners and teams and leagues, for the, for the teams that don't generate a lot of money, which is, and this league doesn't, right. other than like five teams. Right. What do you, what can you do for the teams that don't generate money? Here's a check for $40 million. Because we let Atlanta. We let another team in. Yeah. Here's $30 million. Uh, other hockey uh, headlines from around the league yesterday. Uh, it sounds like Rasmus Ristolainen could end up on the Leafs, which would be really funny. He and Jake McCabe. On the second pair in Toronto in the playoffs. Could be a good time. Friedman also had in his 32 thoughts a blurb about the Sabres and trading prospects. I didn't read that, though, as Friedman reporting that the Sabres are looking to do that. As much as Friedman looked at the Sabres roster and realized what we all did a year ago, which is all these prospects can't make the team. And then he decided to write about it. Yeah, That's what I'm guessing happened there. I don't think he's reporting anything. So... Thanks to Dan Dunleavy, Kevin Price, both for joining us today. Thanks to Josh Schmidt, producing this week. Thanks to you. No thanks to the Chiefs, who are back in the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right. Enjoy Usher, it. also. Usher, halftime show. halftime show. Yeah. Did you see... Okay, uh, on that. Real quick. I think there was a favorite. There's a betting odds on like who the special guest is going to be. Oh, i got to pull it up, though. Oh, no, no. Um, Lil John, Massive favorite. Okay. Because they've done a bunch of collabs. Yeah, the song, yeah. 
Right. But yeah. if you're playing that song, which he's going to, how can you not have him? Out there? Uh, I was listening yesterday to Joe Ostrowski with the Afternoon Guys on the over-under on how many songs Usher will sing. Okay. And I believe the over-under is – maybe the average for these acts is eight. Because when you're up there, what it is now is like, let's give everybody a minute of this song and then a minute of that song and then 40 seconds of this song. And I thought to myself, do I know eight Usher songs? Yeah, It's right? probably close. Do you know – you know, yeah. Yep, DJ got us all in love. Love in this club, burn, my way. Yeah. I mean, do I know OMG? I don't know. Yes, I do. Oh, my God. Yep, I do. Do I know? Yeah. I guess so. I'm looking now, and I'm realizing the over- I, don't, I don't know as many of his songs the, as I thought I did. Or the, at least by name, I don't. The over-under is eight and a half. He's going to perform nine songs? Is this just him performing, or can other people join and play their songs? It's however mm. many songs there are total. Oh. Eight and a half. You said special guest Lil Jon is minus 300. There are two that are actually uh, more favorites than that. Oh, really? Yes. And he's minus 300 and there are two more favorites? Yeah. Uh, One of them is a cheat code because he's in the building. Post Malone is minus 400. Oh, okay. Post Malone will be there to sing America the Beautiful. Alicia Keys is minus 500. So by that, we're getting Usher, Alicia Keys, Post Post Malone, Malone, Lil Jon. Jon. Also here, Ludacris. Okay. And minus money. Ludacris, Bieber, Pitbull. Those many, are your, how many people is he going to have up there? That's those, like 10 people. Those are your minus monies. Plus money, Will I Am, Nicki Minaj, Diddy, Lil Wayne, Taylor Swift, and David Gutta. Taylor Swift is not going to be No, I agree you don't have to, Do not bet that one. She's there, but zero chance. Bieber? Bieber. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Be, I, would I could see Bieber. Bieber was there. all over the All-Star game in Toronto. All over it. He's it's, it's, the NHL's got to do that. He's, how many how many celebrities do they have? We got Will Arnett drafting things for the fifth time. It is it is funny. The NHL the always Will Arnett. It's Will Arnett, Bieber, Michael Bublé on shrooms. And, <laughs> oh man, that was nuts. He was. How do we not talk about that this on week? shrooms? He like just overtly admitted to it too. Like I thought I was microdosing. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. All right. And John Hamm when they can get him. That's it. That's that's their that's their that's their extent that's their Rolodex yeah. for celebrities. Go Niners. Go Niners. See ya.